Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Into yes, I have probably no heard that narration before. I only heard fits and starts of it. I think your noise cancelling is possibly on, which has uh, cut most of it away. Hey, I just I, I threw on uh, I should the castle in the background. Oh right, okay, yeah. If I'd heard enough of the commentary, I would have got it immediately. I can't believe they didn't get somebody kind of half decent for the narration, like that narrator. Best will in the world was just kind of just there, and I, I yeah. feel like I I saw a, a clip on uh, Twitter very recently from a panel show called um, A League of Their Own, and it was um, I forget the name of the actor now. Um, God, what was his name again? Hang on. He was in the Nigel, uh, in, in the Brian Clough uh, film. Uh, Brian Clough film. This is making great listening. Hello, everybody, by the way. Um, Hello. <laughs> buckle up. Oh, <laughs> we got a lot. Buckle up, Teddy. We've got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, okay, so the Damned United, it was Michael Sheen. Okay, so if I look for Michael Sheen ah! on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So basically, he was um, on a panel show the other day, a sports based panel show. And yes, I saw this. It was awesome. Okay, cool. I don't need to link you to it then. So he basically gives this rousing speech um, uh, to uh, what he would say to the Welsh players on their first day uh, of the World Cup. And honestly, they should have just got Michael Sheen to do the comment- the, the opening crawl for Clash at the Castle. Cause that would it- have been incredible. Oh, that would have been wouldn't so cool. it? Wouldn't it just? It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, funnily enough, you, you've actually done a really good job of segueing us into the first thing that I wanted to talk about today. Because for once, dear listener, uh, we have a list. Um, we're going to skip over Ted Lasso for a second, although I would like to get into talking about it very briefly. Um, let's talk about Clash at the Castle. We're already talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple of really, really good matches on this card. And I was live in attendance at the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, hence why I'm so eager to talk about it. Um, Seamus versus Gunther got five stars from Big Dave Meltzer. So I don't know if anybody listening to this has, because I, I know we have generation animation fans who don't care about wrestling mm. at all. <laughs> and yet and we carry on talking about it. We always talk about wrestling on that show regardless. <laughs> yep. They have so much patience, bless them all. Well, again, I mean, it, and the thing I always say that's so funny about that show is it's an animation show where it just so happens that all four of us kind of know each other from a wrestling show. Yeah. So exactly. it just kind of naturally kind of comes out because uh, we're kind of a spinoff show, more or less, hmm. of RBR. And, um, like, for those of you who don't know, there are some, uh, which is insane. Wrestling is such a niche market where... You know, you look like I, I was thinking of this last week watching class at, uh, at the castle. There's so many people there. 
Mm. And yet I think there's so many people who like have no idea that event happened. Don't know anything about wrestling. And it's like, it's insane. Like watching a stadium show that size and like knowing that there's some people who have no idea this exists. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But at the same time, um, if you happen to be one of those people, there are journalists, uh, within the kind of wrestling community. Um, some just report news, some report news and are like insiders, some review matches. Dave Meltzer does all of those things. He has done it for a very long time and he's very well known and well regarded kind of in the community. I think some, he gets on people's nerves a lot, but, um, <laughs> he's, for the for for the longest time, WWE has been the biggest name in wrestling, but they've kind of been stale because the person in charge doesn't really like wrestling mm. and hasn't for a very long time. Doesn't yeah. really care. Puts on bad shows. Um, kind of counter uh, counterintuitive uh, to the thinking of how wrestling should be. That's the man at top who's making the decisions. Uh, he's gone. Uh, there's another wrestling company that had the opposite approach. Um, they both had big shows this week. Dave Meltzer, said wrestling journalist, famous for rating matches uh, on a five-star scale. Sometimes six. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Sometimes he rates them out of six stars. If, if your name <laughs> right. is uh, Kazuchika Okada, occasionally he will give you a six-star match because he loves you. <laughs> right, which is dumb. If that's your scale, you got to stop at five, Dave. But anyways, so what happened is Dave Meltzer for a very long time kind of would just always give AEW, the other company, um, which is made up a lot of the of what he liked in wrestling and a lot of the personalities that cater specifically to him. They reference him in their moves and stuff. Uh, he would kind of give them favor. This past weekend, we had a big show that Dave attended in Wales uh, that WWE put on. And we also had a smaller show that took place uh, in WWE's kind of feeder system, NXT. And then you had AEW with essentially their WrestleMania, their biggest show of the year all out, which kind of started the company Hmm. uh, about four years ago. Um, And while it was really excited going into this weekend, but then while shit really hit the fan coming out of it (laughs) and Dave Meltzer rating a WWE match five stars was not, that was, was, uh, that wasn't on your bingo only card one of year. the insane things that happened this weekend. Yeah, it definitely wasn't on your bingo card for this year. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that it was probably one of the most New Japan style matches that WWE have ever put on. It was literally just mm-hmm. two big beefy guys beating the shit out of each other. Chop after chop. I know that I've been critis- uh, critical of, of Gunter, formerly known as Walter um on this very podcast before and on other podcasts and i remain somewhat reticent to turn my opinion on him round because i think he is basically a guy that does one or two things really really well and then doesn't really do much else um whereas Seamus for the longest time he's been one of those workhorse wrestlers that has the thankless job of basically filling up the mid-card with matches that don't really have much consequence. Um, he's a former WWE champion, former Intercontinental champion. Uh, I think he might actually be, if not a Grand Slam champion, then very close to it. Um, and he, Well, yes, the, he's missing. He's won every title in WWE except the Intercontinental title. Oh, so it's the US title I'm thinking of for the mid-card. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I wasn't expecting it to be a five-star match. I expected it to be a really brutal match where both of them ended up with very red chests. Um, but I have to say... Again, again, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Sheamus is one of the whitest people to ever exist. Yeah, he's... He looks he's, like he's made out of marble, just pure pale person. He's translucent. He's not white. And, he's translucent, yeah. Um, and, and Walter, a.k.a. Gunther's whole thing is like... He slaps people in the chest as hard as he possibly can. <laughs> yeah. I was excited to see this match solely based on the idea of watching Walter hitting him. No, in the a lot chest. of us were. A lot of us were really excited. I think they did a really good job with the build up the, the week prior to it. I think on SmackDown, they had this brilliant standoff where, uh, Gunther and I'm, I'm going to butcher his name constantly. I'll call him Gunther, Gunther and Gunther. Um, I, I believe the correct pronunciation is Gunther. Uh, Gunter and Sheamus literally just standing face to face in the ring, just staring each other down while the two members of their opposing teams batter the shit out of each other all around the ring. This, this already, yeah, off to a fantastic start. And they did it again at the beginning. Guys surrounding the main two who are doing awesome shit. Yeah. And then the fact that the two of them don't even do anything for like, Two minutes just staring dead at each yep. other while their friends beat each other up to like <laughs> level the playing field before they just absolutely start hammering the shit out of each yeah. other. Oh, so, cool. so the the fact they they do this on SmackDown and then they repeat it at the beginning of their match. Um, so you manage to get all of the high spots with Pete Dunn diving to the outside, wiping everyone out. All of the zebras come out and uh, and 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 take the opposing teams to the back. So it's literally just a one on one match. Who's the better man? And they levered each other. They to to coin a, f- a phrase that I heard recently from uh, Mr. William Regal, which I've I've adopted as my own. They battered the granny out of each other, uh, <laughs> all over the arena, all over the floor. They didn't go into the crowd, but they damn near did. Um, they dropped each other on top of the barriers. They hung each other up on the ropes. One of them was put in the tree of woe. Uh, there was uh, white noise, which I believe is also known as the air raid crash uh, from Seamus, which is a pretty nasty looking move. You you land pretty Didn't high. Didn't Seamus have a finisher called the Irish Curse for a while? He did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish Curse backbreaker. Um, I don't know how they convinced him to call it that, but I, I, I guess <laughs> I, I guess he didn't have much say in the matter. I'm I'm well informed that uh, Seamus is 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 very handily endowed, so maybe it was just confidence that he didn't have to <laughs> worry about the Irish curse. But it was it was an excellent match. It got five stars from Dave. I'm not sure that if I was rating matches on the night that it would necessarily have been my favourite match. Uh, because I do think that the main event for me was the best match. It was certainly the most involved that I got uh, and invested I got into a match. There were several points where I was up on my feet and counting with the ref and several false finishes. But I thought that Sheamus and Gunter put on a really good show and they deserve every one of those stars, if only because, Christ, I mean, Sheamus's chest by the end of it, it oh was glowing God. red like ra- rain, uh, like Rudolph the Red Nose, Reindeer's Nose. It it was horrendous just how red it was. It, it looked, commentary said it looked like hamburger meat. 
and they were yeah. absolutely right. It did. It, it was so pebbled and, and, and like literally like a minute in, his chest was already bright red. Like his chest oh, looked marks, like sorry. everybody else at the end of a Walter match. Yeah. And then it just basically looked like they were just cutting through the skin. He marks up very easily, Seamus. And that makes He's him a brilliant opponent. He's the perfect opponent, opponent for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. He makes a brilliant opponent for someone like, uh, a Gunter who, who likes to use knife edge chops, which is the aforementioned slaps to the chest. But also if it's like a, a hardcore match and you want to, hit someone with a kendo stick again absolutely perfect because he marks up tremendously um i mentioned a kendo stick i saw in the build-up to the match as we were uh, walking around the streets of cardiff um we went to the superstore and i bought myself a commemorative baseball cap because it was one of the only things left and uh, it was one of the only things that i thought was was relatively good value for money i nearly bought a uk title for about 270 quid but good sense told me not to do it in the end and Feels think, like it should be cheaper, all things considered. What else was happening that well, weekend? Well, <laughs> it's it's three hundred and eighty on the WWE site right oh, now. So that's it, actually it not actually, a bad deal. It would have been a great deal, and I probably should have taken it. And I've been umming and ahhing about whether I should have got one uh, pretty much ever since. And maybe next time they do a pay per view and they do that twenty five percent off titles offer, I might buy one from the Euro Shop. Let's see, because uh, NXT UK is 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 bye bye now. So. Uh, I can imagine it being quite the uh, collector's piece. Although they'll carry on selling it for years, so it won't be a collector's piece because there'll be a flood of them on the market. And it's a shame too, because that title is much better looking than the normal NXT title. It is without doubt the prettiest title that they have. And I include the mid-card titles in that. The IC title is fine. I I think it's a a fairly decent looking belt. I still have problems with that US title. It's... I, I felt for a very long time both of those belts needed a facelift. Um, hmm. I kind of almost think the old icy title is better, but I really feel like now that a, a, a huge issue, a huge problem with it is these titles had no prestige for years. Hmm. And now in the, in the few short weeks since uh Paul is taking over. Yep. Um they've started to really make these titles feel important again. Hmm. And so when I see Gunther come out with that new IC title, I do feel like, oh wow, that's a special title. Yeah. Uh don't feel that way about Bobby Lashley's yet. I still think it looks kind of silly. I think the US title has bounced around a little bit. It's yet to have a dominant champion in the same way that uh Gunther appears to be making it, which is ironic because Bobby has held that title on many occasions for quite a few weeks. And And he's like defended it every week. Like he's a very, he is the raw champion. Yeah. There's nobody else on that title or on that show has a belt. So I I don't know if it's booking of the title then. I maybe, maybe it just hasn't had the prestigious placement that it needs, but certainly with Roman Reigns and we'll get onto Roman Reigns in a minute, um, holding both of the heavyweight titles, you need those mid uh, mid card titles to step up and become more important because they are essentially your interest. Now they're the titles that could change hands um, on, on any given Sunday, uh, even though the show was actually on the Saturday. Uh, the, the, I, I want to tell you about the, uh, the event, how they had it all set up. It was really well set up. Um, they had banners all over the streets of Cardiff. Like even if you weren't interested in wrestling, you knew what was happening because mm-hmm. every lamppost had a flag with one of the matches featured on it. Um, they did such a good job 
and I don't know if this is WWE or if it's Cardiff Council or if it was a combined effort, but whoever is responsible, they did a fantastic job of turning Cardiff City Centre into WWE Town for the weekend. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing something about it, without seeing someone so in I'm the surprised Scooby Doo didn't solve a mystery there. I'm disappointed that I didn't <laughs> see him turning up to solve a mystery. Uh, I, I didn't even see any other dogs of his breed. Uh, it would have been nice to, to see one turn up. But there we go. It's not a level of WrestleMania yet. Um, the one gripe that I've got about the entire evening was the the video wall which they had. They had uh, So they have the castle, which everyone thought was VR, but was actually real <laughs> oh it looked awesome it did look on, awesome on TV. it looked really cool. and once the match started all four sides of that castle were turned into video screens that we could watch the match on if we couldn't see very well what was going on yeah. in the ring that was fine they also had two scoreboards one at either end of the stadium which are permanent uh video screens that are used uh when they play rugby in the stadium and things like that um none of those video screens had a permanent feed connected to the camera uh, which was filming people making their entrances, which meant that if you were like me and you were sitting in the stand which the entrance came out from, you didn't see shit until they got to the edge of the barricades uh, on that Yeah, because they, they do that thing where they like to put on those screens the entrance video and not show you the person which was fine i don't have a problem with them using the central castle for the uh, entrance videos they they did that and it looked amazing but the scoreboards on either end i would have just liked for them to be live feed of the camera in the stadium so that you could see the yeah. entrance from the point of view of the tv crowd because it kind of left you feeling a little bit like you're a second class citizen as a result it's not a huge gripe it's a minor thing but it's just one of those tiny little production things which could make all the difference for a person in attendance seems like an easy fix it is an easy fix which is why it's so frustrating yeah oh and they did (laughs) the the countdown because i i'm pretty sure that the pre-show must have been filmed outside of the stadium i think it was yeah. yeah because they had a countdown clock and as you would expect Every time it got to the last 10 seconds of whichever minute it was in. Oh my God. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody in the stadium was doing that. After three minutes, they turned the countdown I, timer off because they couldn't t- put up with it yeah, anymore. <laughs> I don't, it's, I fucking hate when wrestling fans do that. No, and I loved it. I, I, well, here's my, well, I went to, the one extreme rules uh, in Pittsburgh mm. a couple years ago where was it Seth versus Dolph or Seth versus Bobby? I don't remember what the match was, mm-hmm. but it was an extreme. It, it was like some kind of Iron Man match or something where they had a countdown clock the whole time and they did it nonstop. And I left. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even stay for the match. It was so fucking annoying. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't watch this match when every minute you are, doing this no it's so annoying now now with that i completely agree with you but when it's a countdown it's, yeah, it's before the show who cares when it's a, exactly <laughs> we're making our event. own fun. i wanted to watch the match we're literally making our own fun at that point they had a dj yeah. that they brought in that was doing music uh for everybody oh, that was cool i think i don't know whether she was a local girl or whether she's someone that wwe have travel around with them and, and happens to be a dj i think she was probably a local that had been drafted in for the event um but, you know, it was before the, the matches had started. It was a nice bit of fun. 
Uh, it, it was good fun. I wasn't so happy that when the damage control match happened that somebody produced a beach ball in the crowd. Um, but after about two minutes, it got popped. Everyone booed, and then they went back to chanting for Bailey, which was good fun. Um, yeah, and, and she... I was I, I, my WrestleMania. The one of the WrestleManias I went to, I was on uh, the Beach Ball Popping Patrol. Yeah, good boy, good boy. We formed, we, formed, we formed a group. There was like a there was a there was a women's match happening on SmackDown. Yeah, and we literally like there was like five or six of us that would just like we're like we're putting us up this shit because it's annoying. Yeah. No, it, not only is it annoying, and I know I'm an old man shouting at clouds, and I was up in the gods, so I might as well have been on the same level as the clouds when I was shouting at them. But I turned to my dad and I said, that's so disrespectful. So disrespectful. And I said it as loudly as I could because I didn't care who heard me because I was hoping that maybe there was a few people that might be swayed and might understand my position on it. It's just like, you're here, you paid... And especially the people that are on the, the, the floor, you paid a lot of money to be here to watch these matches. And you're taking up your in, interest in knocking a beach ball up in here. Like, fucking grow up. You could do that pre-show well, if you wanted. It, it's literally one of those things where, like, and it always seems to be women's matches. Cause yeah. It, and it's like, it's it's not... Like, like I remember, I think somebody made the, the argument back during that WrestleMania where that was happening, where they're like, oh, yeah, it's them saying, like, the show's bad. But who give this match just started. No. These women come out to wrestle this match and you and you break up the beach balls. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. It you're was, doing it because you're disrespectful to these performers. And that's not fair. Yeah, to them. it was right at the beginning of that six woman tag match as well. So it wasn't exactly. And, and that was like literally like the second match on the card, I think. Or maybe even the first on the main card, but second overall because we had the pre-show match, which was a six-man tag with um, Alpha Academy and Austin Theory versus uh, Street Profits and a n other. I can't remember who else it was. Um, that's bad, but never mind. Um, so it wasn't that the show was bad or anything like that. It was literally that people were like, oh, this will be fun. Like, fucking grow up. Seriously. If I see a beach ball and I get hold of it, I'm going to pop that fucker. I don't care. Um, but yeah, so we, we sang to Bailey. She didn't appreciate <laughs> it during the match. And she posted afterwards, guys, it's not 2015, grow up. But there was a moment during the match, and I can't remember if the camera caught it or not. I don't think it did. She corpsed. She absolutely caught. She loved it. You could she tell did. she was yeah, very happy absolutely. about it. And, 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 I, I, and she's playing the character, so she can't. Be of course, no, we get it. Like we get it. But we want to show her that we missed her. And, you know, it's she's been out for months and months and months. And this is one of her first big matches back. And the crowd just wanted to. I mean, yeah, of course, we wanted to sing the song because it's fun to sing songs that, you know, but also like we fucking love Bailey. And it doesn't hurt to tell her that, even if she's supposed to be a bad guy. And to her credit, the way that she played into it and the way that she acted like she hated the song and she covered her ears, it was clear that she was encouraging people to keep singing it. So, yeah, it was it was a really cool moment for her, I'm sure. And, man, that is the first time that I've heard the Damage Control theme song. And it is a fucking banger of a song. I love it. It's yeah, so and then good. I and I thought the graphics were okay at Clash of the Castle, but then when they came out on Raw, I was like, "Oh fuck, these guys seem cool." I'd be prefer... so much better if they had belts. Oh, eventually, I'm sure they they will. Hopefully, they'll put the tag. Belts I'm sure on they'll them. have them on. Monday. Um, 
I like the rebranding between Clash and Raw where they changed it to damage control as in like CTRL on the keyboard and mm-hmm. the graphics are better. Although I like the fact that they went basically with Bailey's uh, graphics but with damage control written on it instead because it mm-hmm. is te- it's her group. Like we're not kidding anyone. She's the leader of the group. It's her thing. But I Well, I think I I well, uh, you might have just a bit about to say this before I get you off. I I like that it feels more like a group with the new graphic. Yeah, exactly. Like it's yeah. it's evolved into we are all equal parts. I'm the leader, but I care just as much about these guys getting tag titles as I do about me getting the title. And she said that on Raw as well. She was like, you know, these guys are going to get the tag titles next week, and then if I want the the women's title, if and when I want it, I'll take it. And I like the fact that you've got a leader of a group who actually cares more about getting gold on the two members that are with her than seemingly about getting gold for herself. And maybe that's because she's overly confident about being able to beat Bianca. But yeah, she's, I fucking love Bailey. She's so good. I'm so glad that she's back and she didn't look like she'd missed much of a beat. To be honest, she got a little bit of ring rust, but she's getting there very quickly. Um, there's some other good matches on the card. I thought Matt Riddle versus um, Seth Rollins was pretty decent. It was pretty heated. It's definitely the most heated that I've seen uh, Matt Riddle since. Do you, yep. do you feel like this match was hurt by the fact that it was a very intense blood feud and Seth was dressed as Elton John and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Matt was dressed as Patrick from SpongeBob? No, I don't. I don't. And the the, 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 re, the reason I'll give you the reason why. I think that that's just Seth's character, right? So it doesn't yeah. matter what kind of feud he's in, he's always going to be over the top theatrical. It's almost like he's winding his opponent up by dressing up as flamboyantly as he can. Um, I actually said it was Fanta versus Sprite when we were watching the match. Um, because I couldn't see the detail of Riddle's outfit, but you mentioned Patrick, and that's pretty spot on. Like, it was a very kind of Hawaiian shirt inspired outfit. Um, but the thing is, like, the outfit isn't what I was looking at. I was looking at the way that Riddle, once he was in the ring, he was all business, he was very straight faced. It, you, you know, one of the few criticisms that you heard about John Cena over the years was he'll be in the middle of a blood feud. And he'll still do the same entrance and it won't change. He'll do the hustle, loyalty, respect. He'll do the you can't see me, the salute. He'll run to the ring. He'll say hello to the fans and then he'll have the match. Just once you would like to see him just walk out, ignore all of the entrance stuff, just have an absolute like a face like a slapped ass and just walk to the ring with a purpose. And although we didn't get that from Riddle, it's understandable because he was the first one out. Um, but once he was in the ring, he was all, he, he had his game face on. He was all business. I really like that about him. And I hope that we see more of that from him coming forward. Cause I think that he's been a very one note character in WWE so far. And he, he could do with a little bit of variety and maybe him getting his first name back is part of the, uh, development of him into a more complex character who has at least two moods, really chill and really pissed off. I don't know. Um, but it was a good match. I, I- I'd, I'd also like to see Seth become a little bit less of a caricature uh, because he could definitely stand dialing it back a bit. Yeah, I I would like I don't like that for whatever reason. I don't know if it was some kind of 
pillow talk decision between the two of them where, Be- where Becky and Seth decided, let's make our characters people who are annoying and dress weird. <laughs> it's the whole, it, it's this drip thing, which culturally, um, both, um, certainly from a UK standpoint, I don't think we really get that. And as a white guy, I'm not sure that I necessarily get it either. So I, I'm at a double disadvantage where it comes to the whole drip phenomenon. But I understand it's, that there are people out there that like to dress, dress over the top and are very I don't extra. Think, I don't think there are people who look like Seth. No, he's, he's turning it up to 11. He's doing the old WWE maxim of take something, turn it up to 11, make it extreme. And then there you go. Because at the end of the day, they're stage performers, right? And you know from Mm -hmm. acting on stage, everything has to be larger than life. So that's what he's doing. Um, What I I would like to see from him is a character... I think Seth can be equally good as a face or a heel. And I like... I like heel Seth and his like stupid laugh and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But I also want him to feel intimidating and scary. And I don't think he does when he comes out dressing like that. <laughs> no, no. It makes him look really dumb and silly. And I'm like, if you just dress a little bit, like you can still go a little over the top and have some fun with your like <laughs> wacky suits. Yeah. But you need to like, you need to scale it back a little bit so I can take you a little more seriously. To be honest, as long as he's not challenging for like a major title, I don't really care what he does as long as he's happy doing it. If it's his thing, yeah. then whatever. But I hope that when he does get into the title con- uh, contention that he does dial it back a little bit and he gets a little bit more serious. He doesn't have to get rid of it. Just modify it slightly so that he can be a more believable um, yeah. performer. That being said, like Becky Lynch, I'm so happy that she turned it around and is a face again now. Because I God, that even even hurt and knowing she was going to be gone for a while, that yeah. promo on that raw after SummerSlam was fucking awesome. Was really like, there's Becky, but there's she's just, been gone for three years and now she's back. There's something about Becky Lynch that even as a heel, and she was a perfectly serviceable heel, people don't want to see her as a heel, right? They no, want to cheer her. They never they, have. No, exactly. And there's sometimes where that works, where you can take someone that people don't want to boo. And you turn them so hard that people are just like, I'm going to boo you because I don't want to boo you in a weird way. You know, like, I I don't know if that makes sense, but like we're booing the idea of you as a heel rather than you as an actual heel. I feel like that's where any of the negativity for her came from. But Becky as a face is what everybody has wanted since day naught. And I I would love to have her come back as either the man or a modified version of what she's been doing recently. Maybe a hybrid of the two the man but dressed a little bit more funkily because honestly like i feel she carries it off better than seth does because her ring gear itself is not actually the problem when she strips away the entrance gear her ring gear is even when she was at her drippiest i felt like it was all pretty decent stuff um but at the same time i want her to go back to like inverse kill bill i want that black with the yellow stripe back because that was like peak man for me and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I kind of miss her. I'm going to skip any other matches that might have been on the card because I wanted to get to uh, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. We've got a lot to talk about tonight as well. Um, yeah. People are going to realize when we, uh, well, I, <laughs> when we and, get and, and ultimately, the, I, the, the one thing I wanted to mention, we kind of been off it for a while, but the, oh, the, the Seamus thing, I like that Seamus seems to be this guy who he's been around for a long time and will just kind of like disappear for a little bit. And then we'll like reemerge as like, oh, this guy's putting on every match he does is a banger. Yeah. 
And then he'll go away for a while, and then he comes back. And I think he's about to start a new banger era where every match is going to be fantastic for a while. I and so. I, I love it. I and I and I think he's a seriously underestimated performer. And I, I had told you, you know, I was like, I as soon as Sheamus got that number one contendership match, I was like, oh shit, that match at Clash of the Castle is going to rule. And you were like, I don't know how I feel about Gunther. And then obviously it was a five star match. It was fucking awesome. And now mm. I'm like, yes, Sheamus is back. Let's. It's even. It was better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, I'm eating my words. I I feel like Gunter has great matches when he has a a partner that can do it. Ilya Dragunov, uh, Sheamus. Um, I feel like he had a pretty decent match with Shinsuke at some point, which I probably missed the majority of because I wasn't watching TV at that point. But I seem to remember them having a match. Am I wrong there? Who? Uh, Gunter and, uh, and Nakamura. It was on SmackDown, I think. Okay. I think I remember. I think it was on SmackDown, like, immediate, like right after, like during the Vince to Triple H transition. It was like an early match in that. Okay. Okay. Cause, I mean, I feel like that one would absolutely slap as well because Nakamura is just King of Strong Style. He I, I don't remember it watching it or paying close attention. I do I remember seeing it. I don't remember watching it very closely, but I remember people saying it was really good. I'm gonna search it out on the network because I feel like that's a match that I want to watch. Um but yeah, so I, I think Gunter can have really good matches, but I think he is one of those guys that needs somebody else to draw it out of him. Cause if you just stick him in the ring with any old wrestler, if you have him doing a uh I don't know I'm trying to think of someone that because this is the problem. I'm gonna end up sounding like I'm slagging someone off here. Um, all right, let's say that you put him in the ring with, this is a problem. I can't think of anyone that, um, okay. Angelo Dawkins. I love Angelo Dawkins, but I don't think that he's got the ring craft to necessarily pull an amazing match out of somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he would be able to get a decent match out of somebody like Gunter. Whereas, as maligned as he is, if you put someone like Dolph Ziggler in there with him, I think they can have an absolute banger. Yeah. I don't think that Gunter is the guy that can carry pe some people to good matches. I think it's the other way around. Because you know what? You you switched the tagging partner. I bet Gunter versus Montez Ford fucking slaps. That would be an interesting one. Because I don't... I, I, I'm not sure that I've seen Montez Ford in a match which is really physical athletic yes but physical no so that would be interesting a, a, I, I like the I like the idea of the different um what's the, oh, there's a word um for the fact that that Gunter's one way and Montez oh, is, um, like you said, yeah Mark. styles make fights it's the old boxing saying isn't it yeah yeah, so you've, you've got contrasting styles. You've got the high flying, yeah. athletic Montez Ford, and the brutal grounded. Their disciplines. Discipli are, yeah, yeah. I think that's what I was trying to think of. They have they they're so different that I feel like that could really pair well together. It could do in the, in the same way that uh, when was the last time that you saw Rey Mysterio have a terrible match with a big man? Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too is Montez. I think I'm really thankful that. It looked like at SummerSlam they wanted to uh, to split that team up, mm. and I'm glad they didn't. 
I especially because it looked like they were going to make Montez the heel, and I'm like, Montez is going to be an absolute star as a singles competitor yeah. if they let him, but he's got to be a face. I think that they are going to end up giving him a singles run. What I hope is that it isn't at the cost of the tag team, so they can keep the team intact. Because I think it it's needs maybe to too be early. like the New Day thing, where it's yeah. like they maybe they get split to different brands and they're solo acts, but they yeah. don't. I don't want to see them break up the team. No, same I don't here. Like, I, I, I always feel like when that happens, you like sacrifice the other person. It's like the the fucking um, mm. what was what was the oh the, heavy, heavy the, machinery with uh, Knight and uh, uh, Tucker Knight. Well, and, OG, um, OG, OG, OG. With Shawn Michaels. Oh, right, yeah. And Marty Jannetty. Marty What Gennetti, is their team yeah. name? Uh, the Rockers. The Rockers, yeah. Like, it, it kind of feels like that, where you don't need to sacrifice both of them no, absolutely. by turning one of them on the other one. You can yeah. just have them. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, like, it, unfortunately, history is littered with teams where one of them... If you, if you want to look at a, a really, really famous example, which isn't the Rockers... Then look at the Hart Foundation with Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Jim the Anvil Neidhart is a solid, solid wrestler. Like, really very good wrestler. Very good technically. He was an absolute powerhouse. And he drew money in a lot of the indie territories that he went. But after they were a tag team, he never really came across as a singles wrestler. He was always tagged up with Bret or with the British Bulldog. And he didn't really do much singles-wise in WWF or in WCW. And my concern for uh, Angelo Dawkins is that I think that there is a really, really good wrestler in there. And he showed it. And he's busted his ass yeah. to get himself in tremendous shape. And I, I do feel bad that I used him as an example for that Gunter thing because I do think that Angelo Dawkins is a really good hand to have. And that probably comes across as, as insulting as well or derogatory. But I feel like at the moment he needs to be part of a tag team. And so even if Montez Ford gets his big singles push and they end up breaking up as a tag team, I can't see things working out for Angelo Dawkins unless they put him in another tag team. And I hope that they look after that guy because, as I said, he's busted his ass for the last year. He's in the best shape that I've ever seen him in. He's doing some brilliant stuff as part of Street Profits. And he can talk. He can definitely talk. The problem is that Montez is an even better talker than he is. And so he gets all the stick time. Um, but I, I do hope that Angelo Dawkins um, doesn't end up being a casualty in the same way that we saw with Tucker Knight and uh, other examples that people can think of going down the years. Um, probably... Best case scenario for them would be that it would be like Team 3D, where you could kind of argue that, as far as WWE was concerned, neither of the Dudleys was better than the other one when they became singles wrestlers. One of them got a terrible gimmick, but they were both kind of seen on an even keel, and they ended up actually putting them back together again because they both struggled individually. It wasn't until they went to Impact that Bully Ray really kind of kicked on as a singles wrestler and became the, the wrestler that we all knew he could be as a singles guy. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I do worry for Angelo Dawkins. Um, someone I don't worry about is Drew McIntyre. Because even though this, I mean, is a great match. It's an absolutely fantastic match. And we were all dumbfounded that he lost. But this was the strongest possible showing that anyone could have without walking away with the title. Yes, I. but I think 
we are in agreement. He should have won the title. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think this is, this was especially like, so the, with the Seamus Gunther thing, there was like this side story that they did an excellent job of telling the audience history wise. The last time there was a giant UK arena pay-per-view like this, there was a huge intercontinental main event and the mm-hmm. title changed hands. It was a big deal. Yep. And Seamus had never won it. They should have done it there. Or honestly, if you were going to do that, this finish with this match and you weren't going to change the titles, put the Seamus and Gunther one online mm. and, and change the title. Like it should have ended with that because it deserved this because this show looked incredible. They had an awesome setup. They had this super passionate crowd. It was this huge, big, big match feel. I think Drew looked like a million bucks, like you said. Yeah. And they just established it has been almost two years exactly since Roman has had these titles. Just take it off of them. Mm. Pull the trigger. This was absolutely the time. You're not going to get a better situation than what this was. Drew has been super hot recently. And his theme song that he used, that he brought back, literally, if you read the lyrics, Yep. Is about what was happening that night. Yep. Yeah. It, it was a perfect storm. It was absolutely the time to do it. And I am really mad that they didn't there, do it. There was about 62,000 people inside that stadium that completely agree with everything yeah. you've said. The, the, the reason apparently that they've kept it on, uh, on Roman Reigns is that they want to build him up and they promised him somewhat that they want, they were going to build him up as being, the dominant champion and in fairness i can't argue with the reasoning behind it i i think he's he's been through the ringer in the last few years with the leukemia and everything like that and he has been but, but like haven't out. we done that already like it's been two years no i know but i think they want to get his title reign up to legendary levels in terms of it's like Bruno had it. Years. No, I know, but Bruno had it for five. I'm not saying they're gonna keep it on him for five years, but I think they want to ne- stretch it out. The, as far um, as the other can. person was John Cena. Yeah. John Cena. He had it for a year. Mm. You've already doubled John Cena. Yeah. And we're not and if and and you are you have put both belts on him. You are jeopardizing both of your shows. Mm. I'm I'm not it disagreeing with you. I'm just time. saying this is the, the there are reasons that they have justified it to themselves that they've kept it on him. I think it was the perfect time and we were all scratching our heads at the end of it. We had two mm-hmm. lads behind us who had traveled down from Glasgow. They were Celtic fans. They'd actually passed up tickets to the Glasgow uh, Old Firm derby between Rangers and Celtic, which if anyone knows anything about football, you don't pass up tickets to that match. That is like the match of the Scottish calendar. Celtic won the match 4-0 or something like that. And they turned that down so they could come to Wales and watch Drew get get jobbed out. That being said, as I said at the beginning of talking about this match, this was just about the strongest performance that you could have without walking away with the titles. He had the visual win. Um, Solo Sokoa, pulls the referee out of the ring and causes the distraction that ultimately costs Drew McIntyre the match. It, If nothing else, this is a brilliant way to introduce Solo Sokoa. And we were saying for a few weeks, weren't we, privately, and also I think we mentioned it on the on the podcast, that we expected that Solo was going to turn up eventually. 
and make it into a four-man group or technically a five-man group since sammy is kind of a member of the bloodline Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i still kind of love um wait i don't know who tweeted it i feel like it was somebody involved with wwe made the comment but they were like they were like sammy is friends with kevin owens yeah if he changed his name to Sammy Owens, he's Samoans. And then he fits in the bloodline. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, it could be, it, you have to drop the eye. Then he is Sam Owens. He is Samoan. <laughs> have, have you seen the Photoshop of the, uh, the now famous picture of Roman Reigns with the two Uso brothers? And uh, they Photoshop Sammy uh, Zayn into that picture. Like a picture of a young Sammy Zayn. Uh, alongside the uh, the Usos and Roman Reigns is wonderful. Um, th- that is the storyline that's going to make me come back week in, week out at this point. I, I love that so much. But it was brilliant I, to the see. Part, I was there in Pittsburgh when he did that bit where he was like, he's he's like, when when Kevin's confronting him and he's like, he's like, me and Jimmy are cool. And then they like do the handshake or whatever. He goes, me and Jay. And then Jay just stands there staring now. Kevin Owens, he goes, hey, we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's such a good guy on the mic. He's just so so good, and the everyone fact that wants to love him. They're teasing the the idea of of Sammy like snapping out of this and reverting back to his babyface origins. Just mm. that tease with Kevin has me excited because it's like, okay, let's have some fun with this storyline. Yeah, and then the payoff needs to be bring back. It has been seven years. It's been a long time. It's been seven years since he's been a face. Yeah. He has been in this weird character for seven years. And the thing is, I'm not entirely sure that people necessarily want to get rid of that gimmick. They just want him to be a good guy instead. He can still be weird Sami Zayn with all of these conspiracy ideas and the persecution complex. But he can be a good guy. His motivations can be changed to suit the good guys rather than the bad guys. to me, though, it's it's this frustrating thing that I've had a problem with in the Vince era that feels like it's maybe on its way out, mm. that they have taken all of their natural baby faces and yeah. made, like, every single one of them heels. Mm. Mm. Like, because honestly, she's a fine heel. I think Dakota Kai is a natural baby face. I think oh, Becky Lynch absolutely. is a natural baby face. Yeah. I think Sami Zayn is a natural baby face. Yeah. Um, but I think Sami can make so it work. so many people who are, I'm like, these people are great faces and you've just made them heels mm. and now you don't have anybody who, like, I'm, I want to root for because they've I, all I, been I, kind of assholes recently. I definitely do believe that Sami can make this current character work, maybe with slightly less of, of the persecution complex because that's not a likable trait, but, like, the comedy aspect of his character is the thing that people keep lapping up and it's what they want from him. He can be a lovable doofus. He would be perfect in that role and he can still go in the ring if he wants to. The thing is, there are questions about his ability to go in the ring, which is why he's become a much more character focused performer than, uh, than wrestler. But yeah, I, I think him and Owens on the same side, I don't, even then, I don't think that that is the thing that's going to trigger a title change. I don't think Owens takes it off of Reigns, but I would like to see another feud. It looks like they're gearing up for it because Owens gave a a promo recently on Raw or SmackDown where he was talking about the fact that he took Roman Reigns right to the edge and actually he should have beat him six months into his legendary reign, but he didn't. And looking back on it, 
the referee should have counted Reigns out because it was a last man standing match and he couldn't stand up. So, because he was handcuffed to a, uh, uh, to, to something, uh, which wouldn't allow him to get up. And, uh, yeah, they couldn't get the bolt cutters in to cut it off fast enough. But, um, it's hard to think that they're going anywhere other than one of two places. And it's either that the rock takes him, it off of him, at which point who takes it off the rock? Who the fuck can? Um, yeah. or Cody Rhodes, which would point to the idea that Cody Rhodes had it written into his contract that he was going to be the one that took it off of Reigns specifically. But I, but I also feel like I don't know how long Cody has gone for. Neither do I. But I and, think and he'll be I, back by and Mania. And I feel I don't want. Okay, obviously Cody, Cody is fine. Kevin is fine, and I feel like they're and and, and I think Drew could have done it. I, I don't know about now, but I think he still could. I kind he of come feel back like. Oh yeah, I think he's, so. he's not damaged. Like he visually won no. the match, so his. Um, I just don't think there's going to be an opportunity as good as that. Like Drew in that stadium should have won it. Oh, absolutely. Anywhere else, it's not going to feel as special. Yeah. But I, what I, what I do think that I would like to see is if I feel like again, I don't at this point. I'm kind of over it. Take it off of him. Take one of the belts off of him at least. Mm. If you're gonna wait yeah. till Cody, take one belt off. He does not need both of these belts. But the problem is, it should be the universal title. Because mm. Cody mentioned the WWE title. Or, you just take the belts off, you split them up in some way, and Cody goes after whoever has a WWE title when he comes back. Which is fine. It doesn't need to be Roman. Hmm. He just, he, cause he never said, I need to go beat Roman Reigns. He's like, I want to win the WWE title. It could be on anybody. Um, and Kevin has maybe started kind of the feud towards that, maybe. But like, ultimately, I'm like, there's no reason to wait. I think you just need to do it. And I don't want to wait until WrestleMania to do it. What I do think is, if they do do the Rock versus Roman, I think he should not have the belts. Yeah. No, because I don't think that makes any sense. Because what? Because what's the point of that? The, the Rock wins and takes the belts off of him. That mm. doesn't make any sense. Yep. Because now the Rock is the champion. Yeah. Who is he going to lose it to? Well, the feud, the feud writes itself anyway because it's about who is the head of the family. So right. you, you've got that you reason. Don't need feud, the belt you don't need that. the belt exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think there are there are multiple ways they could go. One of them, which I like the idea of, and we kind of broached the similar kind of concept. But I've had a think about it, and I think it works out better this way. You want to keep Roman as a heel, and he's a very proud and boastful champion, and he's always got people jumping in and saving his skin. And I wonder if there might be room, depending on whether they're doing a one-night WrestleMania or a two-night, to have him defend both belts individually and have basically have him... Uh, talk shit to uh, a, a figure of authority, whether that be Triple H or whether it be um, Adam Pearce and basically like have him boast about how no one can beat me. Um, I, I've taken them all on and basically his words condemn him in, into the fact that he has to defend both belts either separately or in the same way that the... Uh, the European and Intercontinental Championship were defended once where it was China, Jericho and Angle. 
um, and they had a three-way match, two falls. First fall was for one belt, and the second fall was for another. And if I remember correctly, Angle had both belts, and at the end of the night, he had neither. Because I think China pinned Jericho, or Jericho pinned China for one of them, and, and the reverse happened for the other one. My memory is hazy on that one. But I think that there could be an argument where not only are you able to keep Reigns strong by not having him actually be pinned, but you could also take one or both titles off of him. Um, and so the bad guy gets his comeuppance because he spoke out of turn. He, you know, he, he boasted too much, but you still maintain him as a strong presence. But they need to do that before WrestleMania comes around. Here's here's my kind of pitch for this that I would like to see. I think the next big show that is coming up that I think you can make the justification because some people are weird about it. Like, you can't drop it on some random show. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not going to be Extreme Rules. Fine. He's not going to work Extreme Rules anyways. He never does. He will work one of the big four, Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Survivor Series is branded Raw versus SmackDown. Oh, okay. You can't do that match if Roman has both belts for the main title. So what so do you do? You have two Roman has to compete in two matches mm. for each individual title. Yeah. He can win one, lose the other one. Or like you said, you can take them both off. What I would like is you maybe – like you can maybe – here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. Okay, here's what I would do. Roman – Loses one of the belts at Survivor Series. He gets real furious and really angry. Probably kicks, kicks Sammy out of the bloodline at that point. I think that's probably the change you need. And um, there is some weird dissension in, in the bloodline as he loses his belt. I think Roman's gimmick works so much better as a jaded former champ who is begging the audience to once again acknowledge him. Mm. What I would like to see is he loses the belt, starts to panic, starts to freak out, starts to be a lot more weird and less cool, right? Mm-hmm. He spirals over the next couple of months, defends the other title at the Royal Rumble, loses it. Now he's panicking, freaking out, blaming the bloodline, freaking out on them. Solo Sokoa sticks around with Roman. The Usos... Going back to the beginning of the storyline, starting to see the cracks, starting to see that Roman doesn't have the best interest at heart, maybe think he isn't the right person to be leading them, right? Mm-hmm. You go to WrestleMania, Solo Sokoa, and uh, – God, I thought I had an even number on this at one point, <laughs> and I fucked it up. But – Basically, you do The Rock and Roman, and and you have the Usos and Solo like there as well. Maybe you do instead of just a one on one match, maybe you do three on three or something like that. Um, if you keep Sammy around, I don't know. But the idea is essentially like his whole thing spiraling, not being the head of the table anymore, and Roman ends up coming in, and I think the Usos uh, turn on Roman and join The Rock. Hmm. And then. Yeah. After and then maybe The Rock wins Roman and Roman freaks out and has this like new kind of identity as a character as this person who is like he had the titles for so long he's lost his stock and now he's like trying to 
he's like desperately clawing back at relevancy. I think an extra wrinkle that you could throw in there is that he's he's okay with the Usos until perhaps they lose their titles, at which point mm-hmm. that's then, the other way you could go. Then, then he just launches into them and he's just like, you know, he, he maybe even kicks them out. He says, you know, that you're you're no good to me. You haven't got the championship titles. You know, cousins of mine or whatever, and he throws them out. And of course, because he hasn't got his titles as well, it comes off as massively hypocrisy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways they could take it. And unusually, I've got enough faith in them that they're going to get it right eventually. It's it's a shame that they didn't drop it on Drew, but I wonder if there was ever the... I, I'm not entirely sure it was ever the plan, to be honest. I, I For once, I wonder if they have a long-term plan and they're sticking to it. And although it doesn't make any sense to us, long-term it will probably end quite satisfactorily. And Drew's going to get a title again. He'll pick up another title. And do you know what? With the success of this pay-per-view in Cardiff, I would not be at all surprised in if 12 months' time we're talking about the second clash in the castle, whether it be in Cardiff or whether it be in another British city that has a big stadium as well as a castle, like London, like, I don't know if Edinburgh has one, um, but I, I think that there's definitely there's definitely the possibility that we could be seeing a second clash at the Castle pay-per-view in a year's time and maybe that could be the point where Drew gets his uh, redemption um, and maybe Seamus even gets his redemption, who knows and Tegan Knox can come back to uh, rapturous applause uh, as, as well and it can be a, a big old I would hope so. yeah, like a big old British fap fest of, of self-congratulatory wrestling fans singing bailey's uh name and and celebrating british wrestling 2.0 uh as nxt <laughs> europe takes over who knows <laughs> i i definitely think they should do this again i think this should be an annual event i i would like for there to be um and there are plenty of stadiums within london that they could do it in london um there are castles in most of the major british cities because that tends to be a feature of a British city is that it was big enough to have a castle historically back in the day. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, that was Clash at the Castle. Um, Are we going to talk about the fallout at All Out? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Let me me tell you, let me talk to you for a second then before we talk about AEW. Because... during the weekend of Clash at the Castle, I finally got around to watching Ted Lasso on Apple TV. And I, I, are you familiar with Ted Lasso, Tyler? I, I'm familiar, but I don't have Apple TV, so I've not watched it. Right. Same reason that I hadn't watched it to this point. What I will say is that if anyone listening has any trepidation about watching it because they're not particularly familiar with um, football, uh, that being soccer, don't worry because that is not the focus of this show. I it is rare that I have seen a comedy TV show with so much heart and so many likable characters. Um the the comedy writing is superb, the jokes are well done, the delivery is top notch. Uh Jason Sudeikis is brilliant as Ted Lasso. He's just such a likable person, likable character. 
And it's one of those shows where the main character makes everyone around him better just for knowing him. Like mm-hmm. they learn life lessons from him directly or indirectly. And you can see where the trajectory of the show is going. And it's a delight to see it unfold. It really is a really fun show. So if you ever get the chance to sign up for a free trial to Apple TV, Tyler, I would recommend watching Ted Lasso because on the basis of eight out of 10 episodes of the first season, because I've not quite finished it. Um, I, I would, I would say it's, it's an absolute must watch. Uh, my dad's not a big football fan, but he was lapping it up as well. He was watching episode after episode. Um, so that no higher recommendation can I think of than to say that someone that doesn't like football really enjoyed watching it as well. Um, it looks like a great show. I would like mm. to watch it. it. It sounds like I would really enjoy it. It's really well done. It really is. That There's some very good actors and actresses in there some wonderful performances and like i said like it's a show that's got a lot of heart and sometimes you just want to watch a tv show that makes you feel good and ted lasso is absolutely a tv show that will make you feel good um and that's where i'll leave it as far as ted lasso's concerned so we'll knock that one off the list right <laughs> AEW. yeah let's do it okay <laughs> All right, so the fallout from All Out, which I I know I'm not the first person to call it that, but I did coin the term fairly early on. You can Uh, also do, you want to keep it even simpler, uh, hmm. brackets F All Out. Yeah, could do that as well. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily. No, because you have to say in brackets unless you're reading it. But but in the written form, it's absolutely the way to go. Um, where do we start with this one? Um, it all begins with Colt Cabana, really, doesn't it? Insanely. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people in AEW and outside of AEW as well were very interested when CM Punk originally signed with AEW because they were all aware that there had been a massive falling out between former best friends Colt Cabana and CM Punk. And it seemed like everything was fine for a short amount of time. Then... After the purchase of Ring of Honor, Tony Khan decided that Colt Cabana was going to be moved to the Ring of Honor roster, which outwardly makes a lot of sense because Colt Cabana has got quite the history within Ring of Honor. It would make sense to have someone that has a history with the organization move on to that roster to give it some legitimacy, right? The problem is everyone else has seen it as, oh, CM Punk had a word with his biggest fan and told him to get rid of Cabana. And... This kicked off a chain of events. Um, there was a promo from Hangman Adam Page. Where... Actually, I'm going to read something I just retweeted because I think it pretty succinctly explains the Go entire for it. thing. Because if we can get this, if we can get this done in 220 characters or less, I'll be laughing. So this is uh, a Tumblr post, I believe, from somebody named Preston. That ghost just isn't holy. Hmm. He wrote this. Somebody reposted it on Twitter, and I just read it, and it made me laugh. Uh, and I think it does a really good job of explaining everything that happened. Okay, so. CM Punk may or may not have told Cole Cabana to leave AEW. Or, you know, it says get the fuck out. Something happened. Cole Cabana no longer with AEW. People blame CM Punk. Hangman Page is like, hey, man, not cool. Punk wins the world title from Hangman and along with FDR set for Summer of Punk 3. Immediately injures himself from jumping into the crowd. (laughs) John Moxley carries the title while he's injured and proves he's the ace of AEW. 
Punk comes back four months later, calls Hangman a little bitch for thinking it's not cool for him to get to do whatever he did. Hangman is too busy uh, doing something. He doesn't respond. Punk is squashed by Mox in three minutes. Punk says he wasn't actually hurt. He just sucks. Ace Steel, man unknown to anyone before this, <laughs> says fuck on TV and cuts a hell of a promo hyping Punk up. Punk says that in Chicago, they eat people. <laughs> Parentheses, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Punk beats Mox for the title in a good-ass match, but injures himself again. Um, Punk tries to bait a reporter into asking a question, and when the reporter doesn't play along, he goes on a 20-minute rehearsed tirade at the post-show presser, saying he hates working with young people and target managers, and that Colcabana is a fugly slut, and he wants to take over AW like a supervillain. During this, Tony Khan, the president of the company, is sitting beside him having a dissociative episode. Says <laughs> that... If you want to talk to him, meet him in his locker room. The Young Bucks, fresh off being crowned the inaugural trios champs, bring the company's main HR guy and the lawyer to Punk's room and super kick the doors down. Punk immediately clobbers Matt Jackson. Nick Jackson tries to stop him, but is hit by a chair by Ace Steel, who is terrified of the Young Bucks for some reason. Kenny Omega tries to get Punk's dog out of the room, so Steel bites him. Brawl last six minutes involves every coach and also Brandon Cutler. Punk and the Elite forced to relinquish their tails. Mox just was just about to go on vacation. Now has to ungo on vacation so he can come back and save the company. Titleless. Bloody hell! That does the fallout and awesome. all out. This also didn't mention the the clear bag of sundrifts that Punk was drinking <laughs> during the presser, which is one of the weirdest elements. <laughs> and then there's also deal. the fact that it's not just all this drama is going around while 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 Tony just sits there does absolutely nothing. Yeah. Then. I- you also have Tony, who makes comments after she wins the title about um, um, her canon tag team partner, who was the former champion, uh, Thunder Rosa, basically says she didn't want to lose the title to me, which is supposedly the rumor. So she just says that out loud. And you're like, well, are, can you or like, should you be saying that? Because that doesn't seem like that's cool mm. and conducive to a good relationship. And then I don't even know what the other people said, but I feel like it just was like from the punk moment on, it's just like a bunch of people saying stuff that they shouldn't be saying. <laughs> and that's not even to say the funniest element that the microphones that they were using made them all sound like they were being they were talking in a documentary where they're trying to be obscuring their identity. They all sounded like this, just a little too deep and distorted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's it was a fuck. It was a fucking mess. It was insane. Okay, this was like one of the wildest nights I've ever seen in professional wrestling, and it was all after the show was over. Let's start with the easy one, um, Tony Storm. I haven't got any problem with what she said. The main reason being, Thunder Rosa, if she's going to wear a t-shirt on live TV that says "sandbagging oh, yeah. since twenty whatever," in in response to accusations that she sandbagged uh, her opponent in a match. Which she did, I think. It's fairly clear. That, yeah, that's that, aware. that's been known. Yeah, um, I I have question marks over the professionality of Thunder Rosa. She has not helped herself by doing that, and she's laid she's laid herself open to accusations like that from Tony Storm. Should Tony have said that? Probably not. But I think it, it, what it comes down to is me. I agree with Tony. Oh, and I, I agree. Thunder yeah. Rosa is absolutely in the wrong. There, there is, I'm just there is saying a I of, would not have said that if I was Tony because exactly there that, is a question. Probably not a good idea. There's a question of professionality, and I think that the problem that they have with AEW at the moment 
is that there's an awful lot of people there who feel like they can do pretty much mm-hmm. what they want because there are no consequences. And that comes down to a matter of leadership. Now, I'm not pro or against Tony Khan. He's doing a difficult job leading a very young company. It's the first time that he's run a wrestling organization and he's going to make mistakes. What I find interesting is that a man who is clearly such a big fan of WCW is making so many mistakes that were made by WCW. Yeah, You learn from history's mistakes so you don't make them yourself. The problem is, at the moment, he's got CM Punk inhabiting the Hulk Hogan role and he's got the elite basically as Hall and Nash and this is the NWO all over, pre-Wolfpack. Um... I've been doing a bit of a deep dive on Nitro recently, and I've got to that point in the history of WCW. I looked up old um, wrestling online, old Dave Meltzer um, articles and, and newsletters from the era, which are very helpfully posted within uh, Reddit. Um, they, they have a massive repository of all of the previous uh, wrestling uh, newsletters from, from Meltzer. And um, essentially, the entry from two weeks before the Wolfpack happened was Nash and Hall are really pissed off with Hogan um, they feel like they should be given more airtime and more precedence because they're the young up and comers so to speak and Hogan is just hanging on for dear life um, and a few weeks later Nash started the Wolfpack uh, <laughs> and basically started a, a rival version of the NWO probably because he'd had enough and he'd given an ultimatum to the uh, to the Tony Khan surrogate in this case, which was Eric Bischoff. And Bischoff said, okay, let's do this. Um, Tony Khan can learn from the mistakes of previous organizations. He can improve as a manager, as an owner. But I think that he's done an awful lot right, as much as he's done a few things that are wrong. And I think that there's no harm in that, but he has to course correct. He has to learn and he has to take on advice from people that have been there before. I think it's really encouraging that in the wake of all of this, there was a talent meeting that was led by John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and most importantly, Chris Jericho, a man who was in WCW at the time that said incidents occurred. And a man who has been in WWE and WWF for on and off, what 20 years um he's seen pretty much everything you can see he's a relatively young pair of shoulders on which rests quite a wise head and although i don't agree with some of his political leanings i do think that he's a very very good mind where it comes to wrestling and that's the kind of guy that you need to pay attention to that you need to learn from and you need to take advice from i'm not saying that you should exclusively take advice from him but that is the kind of person that I would be taking advice from. I would also be leaning heavily into the likes of Arn Anderson, who has been there and done that and has been in the management position for many years. Um, Shivani has probably got an awful lot of experience and apparently is now Tony Khan's right-hand man. Jim Ross would have some advice to give him, and I'm sure that he would be listening to him. But ultimately, it comes down to one man, and that man is the owner of the company, and that man is Tony Khan. And... I think it's striking that there are two clips that were put together that have flown around Twitter recently. 
which were Punk's the beginning of Punk's media scrum interview when he won the title from Hangman Page, the infamous "Let's fucking go" um, speech where Punk said "Let's fucking go" um, pretty normally just to say "Let's get this conference started." And Tony Khan, like he was on acid or coke or a combination of the two, pounds the desk and says, "Let's fucking go." Let's fucking go. I fucking love this guy. Fucking this, fucking that. And then it cuts to the press conference at All Out. And Punk starts the press conference the same way. He says, let's talk. Let's fucking go. And Tony Khan is sat there stony-faced. Doesn't know where to put himself. And I think that says a lot as well. I I think that there is a change in their relationship. I Tony Khan, I think, is a big fan of CM Punk, and he's probably let his heart rule his head where Punk is concerned. I don't think that Punk is 100% responsible for everything that's gone wrong, but I think he has his part to play in this, and I think everyone needs to sit down and work it out and figure out where they go from here. But this could very easily be something that people hit AEW over the head with, and it may sound like I'm hitting them over the head with it to a point, and I am, but it's not from a point of, ha-ha, they're finally going to crumble. It's been two years of per- perfect uh, synergy and, and wonderful management, and now finally the the gates are crumbling and the tide is rising and they're going to be washed away now that they're facing their problems. It's not that. I don't want them to be washed away with problems. I want them to succeed. And I want Tony Khan to learn and to grow as a as an owner. And this is one of those things which in the internet age we hear about a lot quicker and a lot easier than we would do back in the you know late nineties when the NWO was a thing. Um WCW was an absolute shit show. We didn't know as much about it because the internet was really in its infancy. But now we have people that are insiders. We have people that are rel- have relatives that work within the organizations that they're uh, reporting on. They have friends inside these organizations. They they have sources that they won't expose, but they get a lot of information from. Uh, Meltzer has had inside sources at WWE for years. Um, there, there are plenty of people in the other uh, up-and-coming agencies that also have contacts within the uh these organizations and they get their information from there so these stories come out a lot quicker because the information superhighway to sound like a really old man allows for that information to be gathered and disseminated a lot quicker and so that makes things look a lot worse um they just need to get on top of it and it sounds like they've taken some steps to get on top of it and hopefully they'll continue to to do that and and they'll write the ship and in eight months time when punk is healthy we'll see whether he comes back or whether he doesn't um i think Uh, go on go ahead go ahead uh i I was just going to say barry made a really good point um the barry lad on on twitter uh barry murphy who's uh, an acquaintance of ours he said um and he actually garbled himself a little bit He, he got himself turned around but basically the the offshot of what he was saying was um knowing how Punk feels about WWE, if he was going to take sides with somebody, he'd probably go with the elite because 
The Elite apparently sent out some feelers towards WWE saying, look, we might be interested in joining when our contract expires in 2024. It's posturing. It's it's them getting their bollocks out and measuring them up and saying, well, look, Tony, who do you want to back? Back the Elite, because Punk isn't going to go back. He'll fall yeah. into line eventually. If he wants to carry on wrestling, he'll figure it out and he'll come back. As long as you don't act like a complete arsehole to him and burn all your bridges and make a video uh, which you know shows every time that he did something or whatever, uh, you're not going to lose him. So, you know, it's there's a, wrestling is a carny business. <laughs> People just need to get their attitudes in order sometimes. But um, we're not going to know for sure. Now, we're, we're all talking about it from the outside looking in, of course. But uh, I, I feel like this is all stuff that can be managed and... It's just a shame that everything happened at the same time, really, because it really did come across as a massive shit show. Well, and then there was the other part of the press conference, which was Tony losing his shit. <laughs> I'm not sure that I've actually heard about this bit. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy shit. So oh, wait. Tony... Oh, I know. Yeah. Counter programming was this he was talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, so Tony basically, like... At the end of this whole thing, where and at this point, I don't know what's going through his head, but <laughs> as the audience, we've seen a security guard rushing in the back. This is post fight. Nobody else is out there with him. Tony's by himself, and somebody asked him about the buy rate, and I guess the numbers weren't great. They weren't and, as good as last and, year's. Yeah, and here's here's honestly, here's why. It's not. Because what he does is he goes on this giant rant where he gets really angry and he blames um, WWE counter-programming. <laughs> Here's the thing. WWE, yes, last year there was no other Labor Day weekend programming and you were the only one on Labor Day, right? Hmm. This year, though, WWE ran two shows. One was Saturday afternoon. The other one was Sunday afternoon. Hmm. Your show was Sunday night and yours cost $50 and everybody else was $5 for a monthly subscription. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, I can't buy all out because I'm paying my monthly subscription to Peacock to watch Clash of the Castle. Exactly. There's that. That is not the buy rate problem. The buy rate pl problem is you did the main event from your show two weeks out in a squash match. <laughs> That's your fucking problem, Tony. That's your call. You did that. Yeah. If, if if there is a reason why your buy rate was less than usual, it is because of your booking decision. That was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. And you can't blame WWE for counter-programming. Yes, you weren't the only show on the... But there's no way anybody was like... Because I think everybody was kind of excited about it. I do think it's a bad look, though, when they do a giant stadium show. WWE does a giant stadium show that is only three hours, four hours. Hmm. And then you do a show that goes <laughs> to midnight. <laughs> um, but at the same time, both of these shows felt like appetizers to the main event that was all out. And I think it was your booking decision that caused you a problem and for you to fucking lose your mind. Now, I will say, was did Triple H probably get under his skin with his interview with Ariel uh, a couple of days earlier? Probably. That's probably why he was upset with WWE. <laughs> um. But at the same time, like, get over it. Yeah. Um, like, 
I, I think what, what's really interesting about this is that for the longest time, Tony Khan and AEW have been the the underdog, right? And they are still the underdog. Like, there's no way about it. They are still the underdog. But they've been used to having this almost constant upwards trajectory and nothing they did was wrong. Everybody loved everything that they did. And this is kind of the first time that there's been any kind of sense of a chink in the armor. And Tony is not responding well. And I'm not saying that you should respond well to not doing as well as you think you should. Because as the old adage goes, if you show me a sort of a good loser, then I'll show you a loser. Um, but I think that he's just not used to dealing with failing at something, or at least in his eyes, what he sees as failing at something. And so he's wanting to put blame wherever he can to try and excuse the buy rate. But here's the thing. It's still a decent buy rate for a company which is three, four years old that has run a handful of live of, of live pay-per-views like that and is going up against a stacked weekend of, of content. Somebody pointed out to me, not everyone wants to watch wrestling all weekend. And that's absolutely fair. But at the same time, if you don't want to watch wrestling all weekend, you're going to prioritize the thing that you want to watch the most. And that means a lot more people wanted to watch WWE and NXT than wanted to watch all out, especially at the price point. So it's it's a lot of issues. It's a lot of issues. The booking is one of them. The price point is another. And his reaction, I don't... I, sometimes you're better off just not talking about certain stuff because it draws attention to things that you don't need to be drawing attention to. Because... Mm -hmm constantly and i i'm i'm basically going off of what i said on twitter and you already know this because i i remember you liking the the tweet um if you constantly fetishize demographics and buy rates and you judge your success purely by that you're always going to put yourself in a position where you're going to fail because you're never going to be in a position where you're always outdoing your your previous number at some point, the numbers are going to fall back. What you should be doing is judging yourself based on critical and fan response to the events that you put on. Was it a good event? Did people enjoy themselves? Was there a good match on the card? Did you get the best out of this person? Did you use this person correctly? That's the kind of stuff that really matters because buy rates will fluctuate. But as long as you're putting on a good product, an entertaining product and a fresh product, people will keep coming back. And that leads into what you said, which is that their main event was something that we saw two weeks ago on free TV, and it was a three-minute squash. No one's expecting it to be a squash again. We've already seen it. Why do we? Want we to had a conversation again? afterwards where it was like, "What's the what's the all-out main event? They took Punk versus." Um, I genuinely thought they'd do something off else. The card. Yeah, because we thought that the squash was because Punk was injured and wouldn't be able to do the match. Or else was leaving the company. I mean, I never thought that was the case. I think it could be now. But... I kind of did, because it <laughs> happened in Cleveland. Yeah. Where he famously left WWE. I I mean, sometimes coincidences just happen. Well, that's why I felt like... That's why I, I was know. like, this is like almost cosmically yeah. too good to be No, true. I know, I know. But I, I genuinely just thought it was, well, he's got an injury. He, he hurt himself jumping into the crowd, because of course he did. Um... 
they need to take the title off of him and they need to rebook the main event of their uh, pay-per-view. So squash him, put him out. Because it, in no world does it make sense that your champion loses his title in a squash match and then two days later, or two weeks later gets a rematch at a pay-per-view still carrying the injury and expecting it to go any further. Like, no, no wonder people weren't going to pay 50 quid for it, or $50, rather. Like, it just seems like a lot of money for a pay-per-view anyway. But and Here's the other thing, too. Hmm. I, I thought Clash of the Castle was, other than the one booking decision that I would have changed. Which we all was would. A perfect, yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it was a great, it was a great show where the matches were good, the pacing was good, hmm. and... Every match on that show felt important and necessary. Yeah. And then you look at All Out, which had a lot of matches that I, I took an axe to like five or six of them. And I was like, these should be on Diamond or Rampage. They do not belong in this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They have not been um, – they haven't been uh, set up well. The, the feuds aren't good. This doesn't deserve to be on a pay-per-view. And when you – have shows where you have these special dynamites where you have like big important matches that you're building up and when you have your um regular dynamites where you where you're putting on these kinds of matches when you're making somebody pay for $50 and I'm looking at it I'm like this could be on dynamite this could be on dynamite this could be on dynamite that's a problem yeah um you could have cut half of these matches have a much shorter show and have it be a card that people want to pay for the the ladder match, I didn't even know who was in it. They waited until the last minute to announce it. There yeah. was nothing on TV. They just kind of set it online. They were like, here's the match. And it was like, I don't know what the storyline is here. I don't know why I should be rooting for these people. I don't know how they ended up in this match. I don't understand why you're even doing a casino-themed match in Chicago. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Why is this here? Other than, like, obviously you're going to do something with it later. And I was like, honestly... When I was taking a match, I was like, I would cut the ladder match if there's no good payoff to it. Mm. Just don't do it. Yeah. And I do think the payoff was good enough, but like it didn't make me want to buy it. I was, there was a handful of matches where I was like, oh yeah, these are definitely pay-per-view worthy. But then there was a bunch of other stuff that I was like, why would I pay $50 to watch this match? Mm. So. Yeah. Um, and, and then to top I, it, to top it all off, poor old MJF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he comes back. He's supposed to be the talk of the town. And then after the press conference, nobody's talking about him. (laughs) It's also funny, too, because I I feel like everything with MJF has been a work. Yeah, definitely. I I said this. And then you have this real thing where it's like, ah, this can't be a work. (laughs) Yeah, I I said it at the time. In fairness, like some people have pointed out that it's kind of cosmic karma because nobody yeah. was talking about wardlow because of the mjf stuff after that but that i th- I think that was a work even so and it was a poorly done work because it took away from wardlow but it was still i think a work i, I don't think that you have these really out in the open contract disputes unless you've got someone signed to a new contract already it just doesn't make sense but Having said that, Tony Khan is a, a fairly young man in the in the business, and and maybe he isn't um, up on making the the best of decisions. I don't know, and that that is a criticism, but it's not one that I'm making purely to undermine him. It's just something which, 
he he's young in the business. He prior to this, he was a wrestling fan. You can play EWR all you want, or you know, general manager mode on whatever version of uh, of uh, WWE SmackDown versus Raw. Um, of course, Two K Twenty Two brought it back. I haven't played that version yet, actually. I, I I've been watching Austin Aries and uh, Austin Aries. Good God, I would never <laughs> watch him. Aries. I would never watch him. I've been watching um, Austin Creed, uh, Creed and uh, Mister Prince Pretty himself uh, playing uh, GM mode on uh, I, up, up down down. I hope they tweak it a little bit. I think it's on the right path to mm. being really solid. I think it still needs a little bit of work. Yeah. There's too much in that. There, there's too much in the mode of like this. If this wrestler, if this type of wrestler and this type of wrestler don't have a match together, no one wants it. And it's like, okay, that's too definitive. That doesn't. Why would I? Basically, it's like, oh, I should have the same five people on my roster because if I match anybody else with anybody else, it it's bad. Yeah, there's no variance so on specialists. I think specialists, yeah. from what I can see, are, are really overpowered and. I, I think any wrestler should be able to have a good match with any other kind of wrestler. I, I think exactly. that, yeah, they're, they're a little bit too specific with those kind of things. It becomes too much like a spreadsheet uh, management game. And I love spreadsheet management games because Football Manager is like my favorite game uh, to play most days. But uh, there you go. Right. Um, shall we draw a line under AEW then for the time being? Yeah, I don't think I have much else to say about this um, okay. other than I I do like MJF, and I'm glad he's back. I think he needed to come back. This is mm. – and the perfect time for him to come back in all – I mean, amongst all of this chaos. Although I don't understand – did you watch Dynamite? I've not had the chance yet. It only aired on Friday here in the UK, so uh, I, I've not had the chance with all the other things that I had to watch for this weekend's podcasts. But I will so, get around to so, it. I hear so that there was a like, promo with Mox. Yeah, well, that was great. Um, and MJF was great. Mm. I liked his promo, too. I thought they were both good. Um, but I kind of feel like there is this weird thing where... So so the storyline is like Stokely Hathaway had been putting together... Like, he kept giving his business card to people, and it was real shady, and no one knew what he was doing. He's putting together a team. And then he had those people attack everyone in the ladder match and then Stokely wins the match what? and then the Joker comes out and he hands the chip to the devil right. which everyone who is anybody who has paid even a slightest bit of attention knows is a champ. I like and that. What, what were you going to say? I like that. I wasn't oh, I, I think it was solid. My question becomes... MJF comes out at the beginning of the show. He's like, I got a chip. I got a title match. He pretends to be a face. And then Moxie's like, cut the crap. And he's like, okay, you're right. I'm still a piece of shit. And <laughs> um, Stokely is not a part of that at all. And then later oh, in the weird. show, Stokely and his crew kind of come out and they just like beat up some random guy hmm. and has nothing to do with MJF. And I'm like, what is <laughs> so they're they're basically they're the APA is what they are. I I guess, but they have not made that very clear. Ah, Stokely but maybe that's, a promo, but he didn't really say what they were doing. But maybe that's something which will become clear as as the weeks go by. I I we, I know we live in a in a world where everything has to be now, like everything has to be explained immediately. 
but there are plenty of examples in wrestling of things which they're introduced and then you don't get an explanation for weeks on end and then you finally do get that explanation and everything becomes clear and everything makes sense and maybe it's one of those they don't want to clarify exactly what their motivations at this point are do they work for mjf exclusively are they a mercenary outfit um you know are they a mixture of the two are they just opportunists like that this is all stuff that they can work towards in the coming weeks but feels like if mjf isn't attached why why if you have that power Hmm. Why? I guess unless well, it's he's the a rich fuck, has to go to somebody who is in the match. Look, he's, in which case, that would make sense. The thing is, he he's he's a rich bastard, right? So he can afford to pay someone yeah. off. And Stokely Hathaway is a businessman first and foremost. So even if it's not an alliance kind of thing, it could very easily be. Well, these are my people that I put together for a different reason, but this opportunity came along. I'd be a fool to turn it down. So I took it. Um, but we'll wait and see. What, we'll wait and see. What I did, what I did like, is that during that promo, there's like, like some, some, some guy runs up and tells Stokely like he can't do his promo or whatever, and then like Stokely gets in his face. He's like, I run this show, and then like Stokely cold punches him in the face, and I'm like, oh shit! Oh, I like that. that and then like cool. everybody jumps him after Stokely beats him up, but I like Stokely like is like like this big swinging dick now. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. I kind of like it. No, that sounds awesome. Um, so that story is interesting. I just don't know what they're. I don't. I just don't know what's going on with it. But I'm definitely. I like the people involved. I like what's going on with it. I'm just confused by it. Anyways, that's all I wanted to say. I just thought that was weird. Right. Well, I'm definitely going to watch Dynamite, and we can talk about it another time. Um. There's there's a massive elephant in the room. I'm just going to mention it very quickly, and then we can get it off of the running order. Because yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a running order for the first time ever on this show. <laughs> um. So I I just wanted to mention very quickly because as you can tell from my accent, everybody. I do live in the UK, and as a result, um, I have been touched by recent events. Uh, the Queen passed away a couple of days ago now. Um, we now have a new king, King Charles III. I was under the impression that he wasn't going to be known as King Charles because it has slightly negative connotations, given that King Charles II had his head removed from his fucking shoulders. Um, but apparently he's decided that he does want to go with King Charles III, so good luck to him, God save the king and all that. Um, I know that the Queen and the monarchy in the UK is a divisive subject in general, and so I'm not going to be going into this in too much detail, but I did want to just say that, uh, you know, it's it's something which affects the people in the UK an awful lot because she is the head of state and she's a, a person that has been around for the last 70 years she's one of the the few constants in british life and it's something that has affected everybody so um safe in the knowledge that she is a person that does have a lot of uh, negative things attached to her and her lineage um i i did just want to uh, acknowledge the fact that she has passed away at the age of 96 uh, after 70 years she is the longest reigning monarch in british history and i think potentially the longest reigning monarch in world history although i do stand ready to be corrected by anyone that knows different so that's that mentioned Uh, it's just really i've been pretty indifferent to all of this because obviously as you can tell by my accent i am not from england so Mm. i don't really have much affinity for the royal family um but it is weird hearing you say like 
God Save the King. Because yeah. it's it's one of those things I don't think about it at all. And it's weird to me being like, oh, this has changed. This thing that has always been the same my entire <laughs> life is different now. You know, and it's really weird. You know, the funny thing actually is that um, there's been a lot of people who have been saying, why couldn't we get a new uh, national anthem? Why did we have to just change the one that we had to fit a man instead of a woman? And what they don't realize is that God Save the Queen was originally God Save the King. It was actually changed to fit elizabeth when she came to the throne 70 years ago <laughs> so it's just interesting uh to see those who understand history and those that don't necessarily uh but it was always god save the king and uh for elizabeth and elizabeth only it was changed to god save the queen but it is weird we saw pictures today of the uh the cricket uh match being played in uh in the uk between uh england and south africa and everybody was singing God Save the King. And it sounded weird. Um, and actually, there's a, there's a, a line in it which uh, is um, Send Her Victorious when it was God Save the Queen. And obviously, with God Save the King, it's changed to Send Him Victorious. Interesting thing is, half of the crowd accidentally sang Send Her Victorious because we're just not used to it yet. It's only been a couple of days. Um, got the King bit right, but forgot that there's other gender related uh words uh that uh, there are other noun pronouns in there that need changing so yeah it's going to be weird um uh, we're we're two days into 12 days of mourning um the king will be coronated at some point and uh the queen will be buried on 19th so interesting times in the uk something that we knew was coming but we were never sure exactly when. I, I think a lot of us thought that she was going to live to the same kind of uh, age that the Queen Mother did. And she lived all the way up to 101 or 102. So there we go. Charles is getting his turn up at bat. He'll probably make it about 20 years. And then William will have to fill in for him afterwards. Um, something that was interesting and quite heartening was, uh, I'm sure that you're aware uh, of this at least, Tyler. Um, Meghan Markle who married Prince Harry and has been the subject of some division. The, the NBC news course or the Nickelodeon news correspondent. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> also she was, uh, in suits, I think, or she was, she was on suits. Okay. Um, was she in a suit? Possibly. possibly. I did not watch the show. So possibly. I, possibly. Sure. <laughs> I think maybe she might've been at one point or another. Um, so she's obviously been a very divisive figure in the UK because the tabloid press have decided to just jump on her at any opportunity possible. I think that's possibly where a lot of vitriol for her from the US has come from is uh, people quite, quite understandably being defensive of one of their own. Um, she actually, along with Harry, was invited by Prince William to go to view the flowers and, and meet the crowds outside of uh, Windsor. And uh, they took them up on it. And so we saw all four of them sharing a car and uh, interacting with each other and walking around and saying hello to people. And it was just a, a, a nice reminder that it doesn't really matter what's going on in your life, as uh, you know, family life. Um, when something like this happens, it brings everybody together. So uh, it's nice to see those fences potentially being mended. Um, a lot of the stuff, I think, is just stirred up by the press. It's very unsavory um and uh yeah we'll 
just see how that plays out. Um, I, I, I like Meghan and, and Harry. Um, I, I, I don't see there anything wrong with wanting to live your life away from the, uh, the, the royal functions that you, you've been raised, uh, within. And, um, the thing is, they're always going to be public figures. They're always going to court the public. Harry has got his Invictus charity, which means that he has to be a very public figure once every couple of years. And uh, Megan has got a lot of interests, which mean that you know it benefits her and her charities and, and her interests if she maintains a public figure. And people don't seem to understand that, that you can want to be more private but still be a public figure, um, not in the eyes of the press that you would be if you were a member of the monarchy. So there we go. That's what it is. Um, but I thought needed to bring that up because it's something that uh, a lot of people are aware of and, and talking about at the moment. Let's get on to happier times, shall we? Um, we'll, should we leave She-Hulk thoughts until the end of the episode just to keep people wanting it? Sure. Okay, so now we're going to move on to something which is definitely related, which is uh, D23 happened. Um, yes there's been some trailers and there's been some news and there's been some stuff which we're not sure entirely what it means but we're going to talk about some of it now i've got six items on the uh, docket and the first one up is the mandalorian season three we've already had a conversation about this on twitter tyler because you weren't aware of this um i was i wasn't i wasn't aware because i thought that honestly the end of the mandalorian season two was the perfect way to to wrap it up grogu was adopted by uh luke he was taken away um evil was defeated the um the uh, what's his face um with the dark saber was captured um and well well yeah except that it it did end with mando um because his, his name is Din Djarin, but everyone calls him Mando. Mando, yeah. Uh, Mando had, uh, he had the Darksaber. He didn't even want it, but That's he had That's right. It. Yeah, because the Darksaber is uh, related to Mandalorian monarchy, I think. Yeah. Like the leader and of the Mandalorian people has possession of the Darksaber, if I remember my lore correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, the show is called The Mandalorian and not... The Mandalorian and Grogu. So the show could have continued. Oh, of course it but, could. But you understand my point. Right, right. Um, but then what you were aware of is that uh, there was a Boba Fett TV show <laughs> yeah. that happened. I really showed my ass there, to quote a good uh, friend Paul Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Everyone said it wasn't very good. You didn't watch it. I listened to people. <laughs> and what you were unaware of is that like three episodes into the, the six episode season or whatever it was of the Mandalorian or, or of Boba Fett, they just did like two full episodes of the Mandalorian in the middle of this other show. Sons of bitches. <laughs> and there is literally a entire ass episode where there is no Boba Fett. It opens and ends and it's just Mando. <laughs> literally just an episode of the Mandalorian in the middle of this season. And I think there's like a man, uh, like a Mando remix of the Boba Fett theme song. And it just is an episode of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode is also pretty much just a continuation of the Mandalorian storyline. <laughs> and then the last episode of the season, like wraps up what's going on with Boba Fett, mm. but still has, uh, Mando in it. But Mando has Grogu back at this point, apparently. Yeah. Um, I did not watch any, I only watched those episodes because I heard that 
oh, you should watch this. See, I tuned, it, I, I tuned it out completely. Like The first couple yeah. of episodes released, I saw the reviews, I saw the reactions. People started talking about how bad it was. I thought to myself, well, I wasn't that interested to begin with. I'm not going to pay any attention. At that point, I didn't mute Boba Fett. But whenever I saw the words Boba Fett in a tweet, I just scanned past it. I didn't read it. I wasn't aware uh-huh. that there were these two episodes of, of The Mandalorian that were just sandwiched in there. It makes sense because they cross paths in The Mandalorian as well. But I just never really... Oh, but man. you would also wouldn't think that something that important happened in a completely <laughs> a separate show. TV show, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, I, and know, I don't blame you for that. No. I just It was funny when you said that. I was like, uh, <laughs> there has been a whole new development. Yeah. <laughs> You're unaware. I, I made the point. I'm not going to walk into a shitty film half an hour into the runtime because somebody told me there was a decent monologue in there that I needed mm-hmm. to watch. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that shit. Um, why would I do it with a TV show? But apparently I have to. So I guess I'll watch Boba Fett in the next few uh, days. And uh, it sounds from, from what you said, what, about six episodes or so? Yeah. Uh, Honestly, too much you of can time skip con- all the Boba Fett stuff because uh, it wasn't good. The Mando stuff is good. You can oh, just, watch, just skip a couple episodes in. You do not need any context. There is like maybe one thing where I was like, who's that? And everybody else knew because they watched the Boba Fett, but yeah. like it didn't matter. If I start a show, I have to watch all of it. So I might as well watch well, I mean, the whole You do you. <laughs> I just, I don't no, think you need I to. I know. I'm, um, next, you're going to tell me that there's some earth shattering revelation in Miss Marvel that I need to watch. Uh, uh, probably. Well, there's the mutant thing, I guess. So yeah, there is yeah. something <laughs> when the X Men. There's, all, up, and there, and there's like, also the, the setup to the to the Marvels movie that happens in it as well. Oh, and... is there? Oh god, I'm gonna have to watch that as well. Fuck's sake. Okay, never mind. Right, Mandalorian's out of the way. Um, any thoughts about the trailer uh, well, for it or the? Well, I will say, there's one thing about Mandalorian I want to say. Babu Frick is in the trailer. Oh, my good friend Babu Frick. The only thing I liked about the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> So now I never need to look at that movie again because I can just watch this scene in Mandalorian and I'll be happy again. I mean, I'm a lot more forgiving of those movies than a lot of people seem to be. I actually quite enjoyed them. I but, only uh, don't like that last one. I think really? the other two are very good. I only don't like Rise of Skywalker. I think it's a very, I think it's a bad follow up to those two movies. I don't think it even makes sense to be in the same continuation of the other two I, movies. I think, I think the, the main problem for that last movie is that it suffers from the hubris of the creation of the first two where there was no concrete line of where the story was going. Um, mm-hmm. Like It's pretty clear at this point that when uh, Ryan Johnson got to make that second movie that he basically was given free reign to do what he wanted. And God bless him. He did what he wanted to do, and I don't blame him. But if they had fought ahead a little bit more and actually plotted out the course of the story, then we probably would have got a more satisfying third movie that would have gelled better with the other ones. Problem is, as well, they had a, they had a few issues with um, you know actors dying and, and things like that, which weren't massively helpful. I thought they got around that as best as they could, to be fair to them. Um, but yeah, like I can see where people are coming from with it. I thought that on their own merits, each of those movies was absolutely fine. They don't hang together the best, but I guess I'm probably too understanding of the dramas that went on behind the scenes um, that, that I'm making allowances for those films. But there you go. Eternal optimist that I am. There's only three movies in the world that I hate, and none of them are Star Wars films. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. We technically we've covered two items there because I had Boba Fett written down as well. Um, right. Rogers the musical. What the fuck's going on? Uh, so I, my, <laughs> the people who did this, so they, they, when they started the Marvel panel, so they had like Star Wars or Lucasfilm first and they did like Marvel and stuff mm. at the panel today. They did, uh, full production number of the Rogers musical from just that song that we saw in the Hawkeye show. Yeah. They performed that for the live crowd at D23 before the rest of the panel continued. Um, it was almost all of the people who were in it in the actual show. So the actual actors who were in it came back and did it again, with the exception of Adam Pascal, who's on tour right now. So they didn't bring him back. Mm. Um, I don't think it necessarily matters. However, here's my theory that I teased for you. Yes. Um, and I guess we, we could potentially learn a little bit more tomorrow. Um, we will be learning. There is going to be a new, so Disneyland, because, you know, in a weird thing, uh, when, when Universal Studios opened Islands of Adventure in the nineties, early two thousands, uh, in Orlando, one of their lands was a Marvel superheroes themed land. After that happened, and, and during that time, they had like an exclusive theme park rights, um, east of Mississippi. Hmm. Then Marvel is bought by Disney, who obviously have their own theme parks. They can't build anything that is in any, any character that is referenced or a part of the deal with Marvel Superhero Island for Universal cannot be used in Orlando by Disney, which is why they have um, this new Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Because those characters were not a part of that deal. They were able to build one in Epcot. But west of the Mississippi in Disneyland, they can do whatever the hell they want. So they built Avengers Campus, which is a themed land in California Adventure that is themed to the MCU and yeah. has walk around characters that they view like the next day after a movie or a TV show episode airs. You can meet the characters in the park. Hmm. And, and it has all these fun theme stuff. And there's a Spider-Man ride. There was of a mention of another ride coming Friday. We got the tease that on Sunday, we are going to learn more about that ride because they are going to expand Avengers campus. If you look at the map of California adventure, there's this little section that's basically kind of surrounding. It's very in the immediate area of Avengers campus. Uh, and it's a theater it's called the Hyperion theater. Used to have Aladdin, then it had a Frozen show. Oh no! And it has not had a show for a while. No. My theory is that they could very easily expand Adventures Campus just a little bit to that theater, and they could put Rogers the Musical in that theater as like a as a as a show for people to watch when they go to Disneyland. <laughs> totally, totally a theory. There is no hard hardcore evidence of this. It just makes sense to me. If, if, if you're going to you do gonna something do with that, that theater, it is right there. It could just be a part of Avengers Campus. You just did this bit. Yeah. You could just make it a make it a little mini te- – like a, like a little mini 20-minute show. If you were going to do that – okay, I mean, you've kind of answered my question by saying like a mini 20-minute show. If you were going to do that, would you have a full suite of songs written or would you just kind of go with the stuff that they already have 
I well, they only have the one song. Yeah, that's so I would say you could maybe put that one song in. It would make sense for you to put the one song in since you already read it. You could also just do a totally original thing. But like they had an Aladdin show and then a Frozen show, so it would just be that, like a mini version of that story. Hmm. Um, whatever you want to do with it, I just think it would it makes sense. It's right there, and you've established something like that in the world, so hmm. why not do it? It makes sense. It's right there. You fill in that area really nicely. You ha- you're not using it for anything. It's empty. And I think they've already expanded, like, seating for the Ant-Man restaurant yeah. to, like, right behind the theater. So it's already themed around the theater to be that way. So it just needs to expand a little bit, and then you put a new show in there, mm. and it all fits together. So I think that's what the plan is. I think it maybe we learn about it tomorrow. It's possible yeah. that they say... We are, this is the new e-ticket Avengers ride that we're putting in and also Rogers the Musical and it's going to complete that area. I can absolutely see that happening. But well, it's just me guessing. Do you I know just what? think it makes sense. I don't mind that half as much as the idea that flashed into my head, which was they were going to make a full motion picture musical based on Rogers, which I, yeah. I would not. I don't do. think that's going to happen. I, I don't want that. Thank you very much. I really don't want that. Like, don't, don't Disney-fy your product already. I don't need that in my life. But I, I don't mind the idea of like a 20 minute, like in the theme park musical number kind of thing, especially if it's filling a, a vacant lot. That's fine. That's fine. Um, right. Now, there are a couple of things that you mentioned on Twitter that you really, you were most excited for. One of them, I'm absolutely with you because I've seen the trailer for it and the, the horror fan in me. Mm-hmm. He's really, really liking the look of it, and that's Werewolf at Night. Um, but also, I believe Ant Man Quantum Mania is the other one. I've not seen the trailer for that one, so well, there I'm... there hasn't been anything released yet. Okay, I'm just so excited just... about that movie. I just think fair it's enough. Be fun. Fair enough. Okay, well, we we can leave Ant Man at the door for the time being. Then let's talk about that Werewolf at Night trailer, though, because I love the look of this, and I dearly hope that the actual program itself is in black and white because that would be just so awesome the way that they make it out like one of those oldie timey uh horror movie trailers just i love the the look of it i think it's really well done the the acting is very complimentary of that look they've they've hammed it up a little bit it feels like a 1940s 1950s kind of horror uh black and white horror movie kind of deal uh all it was missing was vincent price honestly it looks amazing i'm really up for this i i think it one i love gagger show bernal i think he's a great actor so i like that he's going to be kind of headlining this hmm. i think it's interesting that composer michael giacchino is the director of this special that's weird <laughs> um <laughs> I already just kind of, kind of got excited about like, oh, the idea of like, oh, they got Geiger Silver and all. They're going to do a Werewolf by Night special for Halloween. I was like, that'll be fun. Then I saw this trailer and I was like, oh, they're going like old school Universal Monster with this. I fucking mm. love this. Yeah. It's, it looks like so much fun. It, it, it already had me excited and now I'm even more excited because it just looks really mm. fun, really out there. And then there's this one small little extra bonus too. And that is that, uh, do you know which Marvel character made their first appearance in an issue of Werewolf by Night? I do. It was Blade. Ooh, not who I was going to say. <laughs> oh, wait, did I get that wrong? Maybe he made his first appearance in another... Uh, oh. well, I was going to say it's Moon Knight. Moon Knight made his first appearance oh, oh, okay. in an issue of, of Werewolf by Night. 
And the logo that they debuted for Werewolf by Night at D23 looks very much like the Moon Knight logo. Ooh, and it makes sense potential there, then. That, that Moon Knight would, you know, Moon Knight, Werewolf by Night, Werewolf Moons. I think, I've said this before, I do think they're going to maybe team up Blade and Black Knight and Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night <laughs> and do like a big like Dark Midnight Avengers Suns kind of team up. Oh, Midnight Suns. Because you could go Dark Avengers as well. You could, yeah. But I think they're like, I, I like them being on the outskirts and being like supernatural team up guys who aren't like immediately a part of the group. Mm, like yeah. I, I like just kind of out there on the sides doing their own thing. Do you know, it's, um, it's funny you mentioned Moon Knight because yeah. I'm sure that there was one shot where for a second I thought, what's Jason Isaacs doing in this? Um, and then it turned out it was a different actor. Uh, it was someone with, with like paint on their face or something. Um, Blade made his first appearance in the Tomb of Dracula, which was a miniseries that Marvel put out. So I've, I've got my stuff mixed up a little bit there. But uh, happy to correct myself because it means that we don't have to... Uh, Ask the uh, the listeners to correct us <laughs> instead. Uh, but but yeah, th- this looks like a lot of fun, mm. and I like. I really want to see a team up with these supernatural characters and like leaning into it. I think that's what they're doing. It's, it makes sense. I think it'd be a lot of fun. They've introduced a lot of supernatural stuff over the last few years, and it does feel mm-hmm. like it's something that is leading towards some kind of big team up. Um, kind of in the same way that the, the defenders on on Netflix uh that they had their big team up uh this feels very much like the beginning of of some kind of uh, build towards a, a supernatural team up whether it be midnight suns or whether it be dark avengers i i'm leaning more towards dark avengers i feel like midnight suns is very in vogue at the moment because the video game is on the verge of being released but for me dark avengers was always the one that was more skewed towards um kind of supernatural and and slightly more not evil characters but morally gray characters so i i think that could definitely be something that they could be aiming towards uh but we'll see you knowing what marvel are like with their synergy we could end up getting midnight suns being leveraged into uh, the mcu cuz uh, they need to push that game for all it's worth it looks amazing by the way midnight suns i don't know how much you've seen yeah. of, of the trailer for I- that I've seen a little bit. I think it's like, I think since you have that game coming up and that's going to be relevant. And also another kind of story coming out of D23 today is that the Avengers are kind of like officially disbanded as of right now. Oh, okay. So it would be kind of weird to me for like a bunch of people who have nothing to do with the Avengers to dub themselves the Dark Avengers when they don't know the Avengers. Well, I I don't know. I don't know that they were ever officially recognized as being dark Avengers or anything like that. I'm not even sure if they were recognized as being members of the Avengers. I I think that it was just a a name that was used for either the comic book or as kind of shorthand for this group of supernatural characters that banded together. Um, Of course we can talk about a team up that has been uh, announced which I didn't have on the rundown, but we can definitely talk about because you've definitely got thoughts about it, especially Ghost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should we talk about that then? Yes, give me one second. Hold on.
I'm back. Sorry. Cool. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about the Thunderbolts. (laughs) Let's talk about the Thunderbolts indeed. Um, Not entirely the lineup that I was expecting, if I'm honest. Uh, Not at all. (laughs) There's one or two. I mean, a lot of them make sense. A lot of them are what we expected. Uh, US agent, front and center. Of course, a lot of these characters have had um, little uh, cameos at the end of, of their shows from... A, uh, a certain former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Valentina something, I can't remember her last name, uh, but she's... The uh, Allegra, or Allegra de Fontaine. Oh, is it Allegra de Fontaine? Okay, but uh, played by uh, Julie, is it Julie Andreyfus? Yes. Yep. God, Julie I'm, Louise Dreyfus. Julie, Julie Louise Dreyfus, I apologize. I nearly got her name right, which is unusual. You're very me. close. I very almost close. didn't say anything. <laughs> I'll, 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 ta- I'll take a win. I'll take a win on that. Half a point for Gryffindor. Um, so a lot of them have had her turn up. So we've had um, Black Widow's sister, whose name I cannot remember. Elena uh, Belova. Elena Belova. So we've had Elena turn up, uh, US agent. We had a cameo um, in there. Um, but also there are characters that have previously appeared in the Marvel Universe. Ghost would be one of them who previously appeared in uh, Ant-Man 2. Um, we've got... Um, fill me in on the rest of them because you've you've probably got a better memory than, so, than I have. I, I, will, I will tell you, <laughs> here's what I think is weird and why I called out Ghost in particular for this group. Um, every character in this, with the exception of Ghost, was either in Black Widow or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> and then there's Ghost, who is the only character not from one of those two things. <laughs> Just a big old standout. Big red and bomb. I don't know how she got here. <laughs> Do you think that there's potentially because obviously um, the the actor um, who played uh, General um, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross um, yes. passed away. Do you think that there were ever plans for Red Hulk to be a member of this team? Ah, uh, would make sense. I also. Felt like Abomination would maybe be a part of it. Yeah. I don't know where She-Hulk goes. It's possible that they left him off of this because She-Hulk might allude to that. Yep, could be. Because we're in the middle of that show, so I don't know. But here's what I'll say. I I think the only real issue I have with this is I don't think Bucky should be here. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. That I don't like know why he is, show. and yeah. I would not put him. Now, maybe now Bucky being in the movie, sure. Bucky being a member of the Thunderbolts, I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Um, maybe they feel like they need a quote-unquote leading man that can really head up the team, like someone that has... Well, I think Yelena's the leading man because she's front and center of this group. No, that's absolutely true. But I, I wonder, someone that has history with the Avengers that can be almost like a, a tie to that franchise to lend it an air of not legitimacy necessarily, but I don't know, just someone that has played on that side of the fence. The only thing that makes sense to me is I could see Val courting Bucky and Bucky not wanting to be a part of this team. And maybe something happens and he like gets roped into it because something happens and he's like with them or something and he has to work with them. I can't see him voluntarily signing up to work alongside you. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't know. 
because I'm guessing the the way that they've uh, presented it, they've presented it as this is your Thunderbolts. The, these are all the members of the team. It's not a case of these are the people that are in the show. It's this is the team. So it couldn't even be that maybe Bucky is uh, a character who is investigating or, or a lot. I don't know. Not necessarily like the antagonist, because I would guess the Thunderbolts are the quote unquote good guys in this story. They might do things the wrong way, but ultimately it's for the right reasons. Um, although from uh, from history, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, uh, her character is a member of a certain terrorist organization that we thought was wiped out not so long ago. So are they necessarily tools for justice and, and the the right thing? I don't know. We'll wait and see. It's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I, yeah, Bucky just kind of sticks out like a bit of a sore thumb, doesn't he? It's going to be interesting how they tie him into it. I think that that's yeah. going to be an interesting point of the story. Like they're going to jump through a few hoops here and it's going to be interesting to watch them work. I have a couple of other theories here too. Hmm. Um, and where's Zemo? One, like, right. Zemo's definitely going to be in this movie. <laughs> uh, I think that's definitely a, a part of it. Um, I also could see that this maybe isn't our Thunderbolt lineup, but these people are going to be in the movie in some capacity. Um, I think it's weird. I kind of like the idea of this being a team-up movie where everybody's kind of from different things, so it's weird to me that so many of them are from the same two things. Hmm. I don't necessarily want to see Red Guardian and Yelena together. I kind of want to see Red Guardian on his own and Yelena do something else. Yeah. Um, or, but, like, because I kind of, I do kind of think he's enough of an, like, anti-hero to be a part of this team. Um, One of my weirdest theories here based on some of what I heard today. Um, there has, there was some feedback and I, I think a lot of people didn't necessarily love the portrayal of ta- Taskmaster in uh, Black Widow. Hmm. Um, and I thought, I, I kind of felt like that was a bit of a, a, a disappointing ending to that story and uh I never really felt like the Black Widow version of Taskmaster felt like the character Taskmaster. And the character in the comic books would be fun to see in a team-up movie, but I don't know if the one from Black Widow would be. Um, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the same person. Well, it's Olga Kurilenko. I don't think they said that. They did on, on the, the release panel. that I saw. I've seen people say that. But I read on Marvel's official website, they mentioned all the actors that were coming back for this. They did not mention her. They mentioned everybody ah, else. So there's been an element of supposition from the media outlets that I've seen uh, I, reports from. Yeah, the, I think there has been assumptions. Yeah. I don't think the panel said it, and I don't think she was there. I could be wrong because I've not watched the full panel. I was just going off of Twitter. Mm. She but when I read movie, the official right? website and they did not list her on the official website... Hmm. I was like, interesting that they didn't mention her. I think she survives the movie. Oh, I do too. I think somebody else is in the Taskmaster suit. That's my theory. Okay. I think that they might go in a different direction with the character. 
I don't know for sure. This is just my guess. And maybe I'm wrong because, again, I didn't see the full panel. Maybe the panel did say specifically the actress is back. But I saw that she wasn't mentioned in the in the thing that I read that was officially from yeah. Disney and Marvel. Okay. So we'll I don't know. I just think it's interesting. That's mm. like an idea. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying I'm not sold on this completely. I just think it's an interesting – I could maybe see them going with a different person in the in the costume – or maybe they stick it the same. I do think that hopefully there's more personality there because the Thunderbolt or, or the Taskmaster character from Black Widow is n- does not sound like they'd be fun on that team. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I do, definitely. Um, I mean, it's basically uh, a walking corpse on autopilot in, in that yeah. movie. It wasn't necessarily what I had come to expect of Taskmaster from what I'd heard of the character. I'll be honest, I've not really known too much about Taskmaster except for what I've seen in the clips from the video game, uh, from the Avengers video game. Um, outside of that, I was kind of a bit of an open book where it came to the character. So it didn't bother me so much that they went the way they did in that movie. But uh, I, I can see that uh, it wasn't a popular move with some people that were more familiar with the character. It's going to be interesting to see how all of these characters work together because I think the interesting thing is if you look at these characters, a lot of them have issues with each other and maybe that's the strength of only really casting from two separate properties is that they all have history with each other and that can be a lot of material for conflict within the team. And you would imagine that a team like the Thunderbolts there would be a lot of conflict because this is the weird thing. Like they're called the Thunderbolts. The original version of the Thunderbolts from what I'm aware of was put together by General Ross and it was basically a government task force, um, which was tasked with taking on assignments for national security Now, the way they've gone with this particular version, I'm not sure if it is a government agency or if it's kind of more of a, well, you think you're working for the government, but you're actually working for so-and-so, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, But as long as they think they're working for the government, I can see that being enough of a reason, possibly, that Bucky would begrudgingly work alongside US agent. Uh, But it would be one of those relationships akin to the second Suicide Squad movie where Flag and um, Peacemaker were really not friends at all. And we all know how that ends up in the movie. So maybe there's the potential for that. Because every single one of these movies, at some point, teammates have to come to blows. Those two are perfect for bring, bringing together to come to blows. Because they fucking hate each other. Um, and then maybe there's yeah. a, a bigger issue which they they realize they have to work together to overcome. And that's the only way that they get them to team up. Or maybe they're working on opposite sides completely or coming at the same issue from different angles. I don't know. but I did a little research because I was curious. Mm. Um, she was not at the panel, but I think Kevin did mention her, her the actress's name when right. he talked about all the people. There. So okay. I think she might be back. But I also think that this probably isn't the final. And also, you know, bearing in mind the technologies that have been leveraged in different films in this franchise it without wanting to go into spoilers too much taskmaster was it didn't suit 
Taskmaster's boss slash insert spoiler here for who they are um, <laughs> for Taskmaster to have a mind of their own. And so they got them to the point where they were operating well enough under instruction with that level of control taken away and with autonomy given back to Taskmaster potentially well, they might have more autonomy and might actually develop well, into a more fully rounded character in their own right see I agree with that but also the character was essential, has been basically brainwashed robot since she was a child Sure, sure. So it's hard for me to imagine that suddenly she has a really interesting personality. Oh, she might be an interesting know. personality, but I think that she'll at least be able to make decisions for herself and interact with people. And oh she, yeah, she might that, be my, more. My, my only thing is like I feel like this character is not as introduced in Black Widow, not a character I would like to see on a team up. The character from the comics, absolutely, mm. I would like to see in a team up. But there is this potential specific for... character. I don't think they did a good job in that movie of making me go, "Oh, I'd like to see this person." No, I don't think that they did either. But I think there's potential for that kind of character, almost as comic relief, because they can be very dry and uh, not particularly au fait with interpersonal relationships. And you can almost have the same kind of humor as they had with Vision in the first appearance of Vision in in the Avengers movies, where he can talk, he can interact with people but he's a robot. He doesn't really have that emotional level where he's able to interact with people. And he develops very quickly over the next few films. Um, But there's lots of examples of that kind of character, very very stoic, you know, very um, poor where it comes to interpersonal relationships. Um, I think Dave Bautista's character in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I was going to say Drax reminds me of that. Drax too. is fantastic at that, but even he has grown over the course of the film. So you could almost use uh, that as a jumping off point for that character to have her start off as an almost very robotic, very cold human being who is also an expert killer. Who you know when when combat starts, like she absolutely just murders everything in the room. Um, but then the big challenge for that character is forming relationships and understanding other people and, and being a teammate, you know, like that could be an interesting dynamic to bring to the team. It's not going to be what, um, what Taskmaster was in the comics, but they could get there eventually. It's just going to take some time. And in the meantime, they can have an interesting character dynamic to play with, uh, as, as they build towards it. I don't know. There's lots of options. And again, it's going to be really interesting to see how they put it all together. It's going to be a really interesting exercise in script writing. <laughs> I must yeah, know, what I, the fuck's I, going I'm, definitely, I, I, I'm a bit excited about this movie. Just I like the idea and I would like to see who else ends up in this and, and what ends up happening. Um, mm. So we'll see. Indeed. Right then, uh, that I believe... Uh, oh no, there's one more thing on the docket which I wanted to talk to you about. Have you seen the trailer? Wait, hold on. Wait, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Have you seen the trailer for Secret Invasion? Yes, I have. Let's talk about that because I'm very, very excited for this. Not only because Olivia Coleman makes her debut in the MCU. Finally, Mm -hmm. finally the queen, the real queen, has made her debut in the MCU. But we get Martin Freeman back. And we get, I think, actually, a really underrated cast 
in this movie. TV show. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yes, it's a TV show. But still, I think... Uh, we also have Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark makes her debut as well, yeah. Which I, Are you aware as to what character she's playing? Because I haven't got a clue. There has been some rumors of who she's playing. Um, but I think... That might be a spoiler. <laughs> Let's not go there yet, then. Um, but what, from what you saw of the trailer and, and what I've seen of the trailer, um, what do you think? Are you excited for this? Do you think it looks good? Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to It feels almost like an espionage thriller. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I love Samuel L. Jackson. I love uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Mm. Um, we talked about Mando before, of course. Mendo. Another one. Uh, big fan of him and this cast. I like the concept. I'm very interested to see what they do with it. Hmm. And it looks like I kind of thought they weren't going to do Armor Wars. Turns out they are. And I think that this is like a Armor Wars is going to be a direct sequel to this. So Ooh. it's almost like this story is being continued over to a second story as well. Yeah. So. Pretty well, exciting they, territory for the TV shows. Well, they're, they're definitely not done with uh, Iron Man in general because, of course, Ironheart is um, mm-hmm. is, is something which they've uh, they, they've announced. At least they gave a uh, the the title of, of the movie, which is not. We're, going we're meeting to, her this year. We're meeting her this year. Uh, did they? I think they were. Did I hear that they showed like their first clip of of uh, Riri in action? I think they did. They, yeah, I would, I would assume that they might have shown something. Hmm. Uh, but I know that they're pretty early on in filming that still, so oh, I don't yeah, know how absolutely. much there is for it. But I would imagine that that's going to um, filter into Armor Wars quite nicely. Um, of course, Rhodey appeared in the trailer for yeah. Secret Invasion. He's going to be a big part of it. Um, I don't know whether he's got rid of his leg braces yet or if he's still paralyzed from the waist down. Again, the Marvel Universe is a weird one because it feels like reality, but it's so far in advance of us in many ways that spinal injuries might be curable at this point. Who knows? Uh, it's true. They have I did hear someone uh, speculate. I don't think this is going to be the case, but I do think this is a funny idea. that mm. Someone speculates that Don Cheadle has been a scroll the entire time and that Terrence Howard was the real Rhodey that he's been a scroll ever since. Oh, that's fucking hell. <laughs> oh, that would be... I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think that's a funny idea. Well, I mean, first of all, that makes Tony a terrible friend because how can you not see the difference between Terrence Howard and, so and Don Cheadle? It's, like, what, it's also we... a bad scroll. You didn't even look like yeah. the guy. Like It makes me wonder whether Terrence Howard comes back and he says, you are a bad friend. What, do we all look the same to you? Like... Oh wait, he's dead. He can't say that. <laughs> God <dead>. damn it! <laughs> well, that's um, handy because he was the only person that was friends with Rhodey, so he's the only person that would know the difference. Maybe he was sworn to secrecy. Maybe Tony knew all along. Ooh, maybe that's ooh. it. <laughs> and everyone else was just a terrible, stinking racist. They were just like, <laughs> "Where's a black man in a uniform? It must be Rhodey." Uh, yeah, I, I have no um, no idea what to expect from these but i'm excited um Mm. i think it's gonna be a cool show um and i'm really interested to see what they do with all this and who gets revealed as a scroll and if we see any kind of like bigger 
story happen with this if there's any really important characters who are scrolls or something like that yeah I, there's got to be one or two the, the thing is with, with secret invasion ultimately what happens is the heroes that were made that, that turned out to be scroll um their real uh versions of them were eventually brought back to the planet so it's no harm no foul what could be interesting though is if it's revealed that certain characters that might not be alive anymore might have been scrolls at that point because Mm -hmm. the thing about the scroll which i'll explain for those who aren't aware i'm sure you are um from my memory of the comic book which i've not read in quite some time these scroll agents were so deeply embedded they were so far undercover that they actually believed that they were the people that they were pretending to be so it turned out in the comic books uh, that Tony Stark was a scroll. Um, and there was this whole episode, uh, this whole issue where he was like, no, I can't be a scroll. I can't possibly be a scroll. And it, it turned out he was in the end because they essentially brainwashed themselves or they're brainwashed by their um, superiors into believing that they are who they think they are, because how could you be more convincing than to actually believe you are that person? So, that would, in theory, make it a lot easier to explain why Tony Stark acted heroically and ended up giving his life if they wanted to give themselves an out for Tony potentially still being alive. I don't think they will, because I think Robert Downey Jr. is perfectly happy with what he did and what he got paid and uh, and bowing out where he did. But it's nice to think that there's that option, as well as the... Uh, the movies that have focused on the afterlife. We've talked about this before, about the fact that there are many different ways now that they can potentially bring heroes back. And this just adds to it. This is one more string to their bow. But it's going to be, you're right, it's going to be super interesting to see which uh, heroes are going to turn out to be scrolls. Um, Black Widow, possibly. Who knows? That would be fucking I'm, awesome. I'm convinced Sharon Carter is a, is a scroll. Oh, that wouldn't be a bad call at all either. Yeah, I, I think I specifically think because that was such her a appearance hard... in the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, where the, the first time she shows up in that final sequence, she's wearing one of those like um, the the thing that Natasha wore in Winter Soldier. That's kind of like the masks from uh, Mission Impossible. Mm. She she appears the first time we see her in that final episode. She's wearing one of those masks, so she has a different face and then changes it. I'm like, that is an Easter egg because she's going to be revealed to be a scroll. Yeah, and, and her change in character was so hard it's, left. It's so insane. It doesn't make any sense for her to be the same person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, so that's, and, and because it's so subtle, I think, well, yeah, it's right there for you to look at and you can say, hey, it, mm. we gave you the clues. Yeah. Um, without them being obvious about it. Yeah. And I think being able to look back on that series and go like, oh, she was a scroll. That's why it was weird. I think that actually would be kind of cool. So I, I'm kind of convinced she, at least she's one, but I don't know. We'll it's going to be cool. Once again, we've said this a few times already. I've said this a few times already. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do, what decisions they make, and uh, how they uh, how they write these scripts to, to make it all make sense. So far, they're, I don't think that they've, uh, they, they've hit a, a bad ball. They've hit them all out of the park, so... Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Speaking of things that have been smashed out of the park, 
I'd like to get into talking about She-Hulk, the uh, the main topic of the episode. Hold on, I, I want to mention another D23 thing. Oh, yes, please. Did you see who the villain is in the Captain America movie? I have, yeah, the leader. That's nuts. That's like the one MCU thing that I feel like has been hanging <laughs> for years with no follow-up. And finally, Tim Blake Nelson is back from from uh, the first Hulk movie. Yeah. That's they teased awesome. it so long ago, and it's finally getting paid off. I am very excited that they're bringing him back. I did not expect them to ever touch it again. I'm already excited because it's a Sam Wilson Captain America. But bringing in on top of that the leader, which is one of those classic Marvel bad guys, that's really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. Um, and we haven't got, I don't know how much longer we've got to wait now, a couple of years? They've made the announcements for the release dates for a lot of these. I'll have to look it up later, I think. Um, but yeah, it looks excellent. I'm really looking forward to uh, to unwrapping all of these lovely presents that Marvel are, are, are gifting us. Um, right, shall we move now? Uh, I, I shall try again. Uh, shall we move on to, uh, to She-Hulk? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so um, this will be a review of episodes 2, 3, and 4. Uh, it's been a while, but we're getting round to it again. Um, I don't know how much detail we're going to get into. This might very well be a Chris Farley edition where we just talk about the things we really liked. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of excellent episodes that are focused around, uh, Blonsky. Um, I, I love his performance in these episodes. It's just so good. Um, the, the, uh, parole hearing is, excellent and again the the joke with wong where she says he'll be here in a minute but we're going to have uh, mr blonsky give his evidence first and then under her breath she says how can a man who has a zero minute commute be late and i'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah you're right you're absolutely right he's terrible turned up eventually but i didn't realize he was going the to answer be- is he's He's watch. He's binge watching TV and doesn't have time to step away. <laughs> he's working on that Sopranos backlog. I can't blame him. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later, I would imagine. But yeah, so those um, episode two and three, they're mainly focused on uh, on Blon- uh, on uh, Blonsky, um, and again, like it's it's kind of it was teased, wasn't it, in Shang Chi, that the abomination was being broken out of prison to fight in illegal underground fights. Uh, we didn't really we saw know. it. We didn't know why, but he yeah. was there. So we didn't know too much about it, but we, we basically, we saw the answer to the problem before we knew that what the problem was. Um, and then we get the parole hearing Blonsky, uh, completely of his own volition, takes his shoes off, turns into the abomination. And I, I love his mannerisms and the way that he talks while he is the abomination. He's, he reminds me a lot of Korg in a weird way. Just like you've got this massive hulking body and then this tiny little voice that comes out of it that seems incongruous, like it doesn't fit the body that it's coming from, but it just makes it quite funny. Um, yeah, I really good. The, the CG is still, at times, not the best. Uh, it really I, feels like it's mostly her model because it's I the, thought Blonsky looks fine. Oh, he looks great. It's her model, and it's specifically the lip syncing is the issue that I'm I'm finding. Um, 
but I'm not going to harp on it for too long, and I'm not going to use this as a stick to beat the people that are responsible for the CG because I think most of us have it's become not their fault. no. We, most of us have become really quite aware in the last couple of years that Marvel really don't know how to treat their CG artists. They have got them working ridiculous hours under terrible uh, crunch conditions to get these special effects finished in time. And do you know what? If we get a slightly shonky lip sync on a character model, I'm going to take that as a win because these guys are working fucking hard and they're being burnt out. Time and time again, we're getting these stories of people that worked on a Marvel show and it was absolutely abysmal as an experience for them. And it shouldn't be. It should be one of the crowning achievements of your career to work on a franchise as popular and successful as Marvel is. Um, but it seems like they're, uh, they're burning their bridges every which way they go at the moment, as far as CG is concerned. Um, but other than that, again, I have to say the show is really tightly written. It's got good humor. It's got some great performances um tatiana maslani is an absolute revelation to me you mentioned on twitter about a week ago that you felt that the breaking the fourth wall moments there was a stark difference between the hulk version the she hulk uh fourth wall breaks and that that's just the problem with what we just talked about with the cg like, yeah no, I understand it just that. looks weird yeah. <clears throat> there's something like uncanny valley about when she's in she hulk mode yeah, where I don't buy that she's actually talking to me, but when Tatiana does it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. It's, you know, she's just talking to the camera, and it feels normal. But when she all does it, there's like something mm. missing. It feels weird. I didn't have that Not feeling. Not anybody's it. fault. It just, it just the CGI. No, it's just it's the way weird. it is. It's the way it is. Yeah. Episode one, I didn't have that feeling uh, when she is leaning on the tiki bar, and Bruce says, "If if you want to go back to LA, you can." And she turns to the camera and she says, he doesn't mean that. Like, that worked for me. Um, but being as it's a trailer moment, I imagine that they had to put a little bit more time and polish on that because it was something that people were going to be seeing and, and judging the, the show on. Um, that would be my guess. I don't know. I've not worked in advertising, in trailer making, or in CG. So I, I am, I'm an amateur talking about stuff that I don't know anything about. Uh, what, what what I think is weird is I, I, I would like to see her do it more. I kind of feel like she does it very sparingly, and I feel like she does she it more as Jen. It more often. She does yeah. it a lot more as Jen than she does as She-Hulk, which is probably for the best, given what you were saying about the... Uh, yeah, I think, the and I think it's Valley. easier for them to do it with, with Jen. Oh, definitely. Definitely it is. Um, I, I love that... I, I finally got to see the uh, the episode where she leans towards the camera while she's driving her car, and she says, this isn't that kind of show where you're going to get a, a cameo every week. And then she goes, well, except for Bruce and Blonsky and Wong. And then she does that cute thing again where she kind of like, she looks at camera, she looks away, and then she looks back at it. This seems to be something that she does a lot, and I'm kind of in love with it, honestly. Um, so the, uh, the, the Blonsky stuff... That was two episodes, episode two and three. Pretty decent. It's a nice little story arc that was open and closed. Um, then we have episode four, which is... Oh, no, wait, hang on. Megan the Stallion was episode three, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. 
let's talk about Megan the Stallion. <laughs> I I love that her ex uh, colleague has been defrauded out of 175 grand by a light elf who can shapeshift and the entire basis of his defense or his his prosecution uh was that he really is that deluded that he thinks he could pull Megan the Stallion <laughs> and the fact that the 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 uh the prosecution was based around the idea that uh Jen should just be able to basically unload both barrels at him and just tell him exactly what she thinks and she's doing it to him as a favor it's not even that she's being nasty she's just literally being truthful so that he can win his case it's brilliant um a couple of moments where the elf uses her powers to uh, impersonate different people the the first time where um she impersonates the uh, the guy himself and says actually i've changed my mind i don't want to push press charges um and then he gets a phone call from him and she takes a sip of that Red Bull and it's like the first time she's ever drunk Red Bull before. And you get this brilliant shot of her face where she's like, I, what is this? This is amazing. And she starts drinking, <laughs> just absolutely downs it. Uh, just nice little scenes like that. They, they pay attention to these, these little details in these scenes. Um, and it's good fun. And she's still trying to keep it as a lawyer show and she's just about succeeding. Bless her. Uh, but that was a nice little subplot. And then there was the twerking at the end of the episode, which went all around Twitter. Of course it did. But it didn't have nearly the impact that a certain other lady did. And that was episode four. And of course, I'm talking about Madison. And that's with two N's and one Y. But not that's not what you think it think. is. <laughs> that, that has taken the world by storm, hasn't it? I I love Madison. <laughs> she's great. She's great. She. Caught... I wasn't sure if I was going to at the beginning of the episode, but no. like by the end, I was like, "This character rules." I love her. It's it's that scene where they're both sitting watching Sopranos, and she's in one of those oversized hoodies, and she's eating popcorn, and she's just grilling Wong about the drinks that he's had. <laughs> the last thing what I love is that she's just like, "So, so, what's your favorite drink?" And he just opens up to her. He's just like gin and tonic and she says yes we are go it's going to take us some time but we are going to find a place that does bottomless gin and tonics <laughs> and i was just like yeah i love this friendship whatever this develops into i love this and i want more of it i want this to be like an ongoing thing for the rest of the season um give, give me the disney plus series uh, madison and wongers yes please do Please do. I would happily watch. It could that. just be them watching things on Disney Plus. Just in a little <laughs> corner. I could turn it on and just listen yeah. to their commentary. I would love it. Did you know you can also watch this? <laughs> 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 that would be a great in-service uh, service to to get people to watch other things. That would be awesome. I love that. I love that. They could get really meta with it if they wanted to. Like they could, they could get Jennifer um, turn up and just idly flick through uh, Disney Plus, and she could like bring up like whatever the next season of something to come along is, because she's always breaking the fourth wall. So it stands to, to reason that she would be able to access programs that no one else can. So I don't know, she could like bring up like Daredevil Reborn or something like that, <laughs> and be like, oh, hang on, I know this guy. Like that would, be, that would be, I I wouldn't mind that at all. But yeah, Madison is just. I oh man, I don't know what I, it is. Here, here, 
Oh, she's just great. I like that she's like she she seems like she's gonna be really annoying, but then like she actually kind of has like this very nice, sweet side to her too. Yeah. Like I don't know, it's it's just a really great performance. Yeah. Um, here's the here's where I I feel about She Hulk uh, on episode four. Mm. I kind of feel like episode one to me is the backstory episode. I think it's solid. Two, continuing that kind of intro story. Uh, episode three, I'm starting to feel like what this show is trying to be, which is like, it's just a lawyer sitcom. Mm. Um, that happens to be set in the MCU. Um, and it has like a B plot with Pog, but I kind of have this weird feeling where like, I don't super know these side characters well enough for them to be having B plots yet. Like mm-hmm. I kind of still feel like I need to get to know them better. Pog hasn't been seen since for like an episode. I think he was, he was missing. I think we saw him once and then he was missing for a while. Oh, wait. Was it? Maybe not. I I was surprised that he got his full, full story. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I like him a lot. I really like that character. I was just surprised that like, oh, he's like leading this B-plot, but we don't really know him <laughs> very well. Mm. But um, but that said, I'm starting to see where it's, where it's going. Episode four, I'm like, I know what this show is. It is nailing it. It is firing at all cylinders. Like, now I'm like, okay, this, I loved episode four. And I'm like, this is what I was hoping the show to be. And then you have, on top of that, um, that very first wall break at the beginning where she's like, oh, you guys look happy. Is it because Wong was here? Yeah. Oh, that'll, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, like a Twitter immunity idol. Like, he basically saves us for another week from you guys or something like that. And I was like, fuck, this show knows exactly what's going on right now. And I, and it's calling it out and it's so funny. And it's like, mm. brilliant. I love it. I, I was, I was cracking up. And, and to me, I'm like, this is, it felt confident. I like that it kind of continued this story where like it forced Jen to do She Hulk superhero stuff. Yeah. And she didn't really want to. And you're starting to see like that path to her becoming a hero, even though she doesn't want to be one. Mm. Um, On her date night as well, by the way. Yeah. She just starts to feel like she's kind of coming into her own. Um, There's a nice cameo appearance from, from John Bass. who's very funny. And I think he'll probably be a bigger, more important part in the show leading forward. Um, Yeah. I, I'm very, I, I definitely feel like we're in a good spot. And then we got Daredevil coming up soon. Looking forward to it. Um, there was something about episode four, which I haven't mentioned yet, which I, I don't know. We, we kind of very briefly kind of mentioned in passing. But, um, oh, hello. Let's we're joined by Mr. Felipe Diaz Vera. Hello there. Hey. Sir. Oh, are you actually recording something? We're recording shit? the BS uh, cast right now. Welcome along, sir. We're still, we have so much shit to talk about. We are still talking about stuff. Uh, I just thought you guys were just just BSing for the sake of BSing. I was gonna say I won my Parsec Marvel tournament. Yay! Oh, well done. Um, I'll let you guys be. I didn't realize you were recording. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye, Felipe. <laughs> Bye, Felipe. Well, that was nice. Well done, Felipe. We're proud of you. Um, so yeah, there's uh, a beat in episode four where Jen is uh, on a dating site called Matcha, and she's not having much luck. And then she finally decides that she's going to. Uh, use her Hulk alter ego and see how she gets on with that. And she gets inundated, has a really successful date with a pediatric surgeon 
And then next morning he wakes up, comes into the dining room and she's not hulked out. She's just regular Jen. And the absolute madman is like, yeah, I'm just going to leave. Like Tatiana Maslany like, isn't like, an insanely attractive woman. This girl is two cute girls? She's, yeah, exactly. Like, this is great. This is great news. Exactly. I don't understand what's wrong exactly. with it. Exactly. But it makes a really, really important point, and this is something which we can't necessarily relate to, but I think that we can recognize and understand as men, which is that there is a lot of pressure on women to look amazing and fabulous all the time, to have their makeup perfect, to have their boobs pressed up and on show and all this kind of stuff, right? And whenever you go on a dating site, you're always going to have women that are trying to look their best, taking these photos of themselves looking all doled up, and they'll go on a date and they'll look all doled up. But then the next morning, if things go really well and both of you consent to it and you have a really nice night, you wake up in the morning and she might not have her makeup on. And there are some people out there that will be like, oh, wait, you don't look like that all the time? Oh, I'm out. And it's like, fuck off. Really? You expected her to look at like that all the time? Do you realize how much effort there is in looking the way that they do when it's they also, themselves he, up? If, if you pay attention to the conversation they had during the date, mm. he was like, oh, it's re that's really not fair that your boss made you transform in front of everybody. Yeah. So you know she doesn't always look like this. Yeah, yeah. Why are you being weird about it? And again, Tatiana Masolani is very cute. Oh, oh my God. Do you know what? If so I it's ridiculous up... to be like, oh, yes. Is she Hulk cute? Sure. Man, if I could end up with a But also, like Jen that, is like, cute. So, God. like, this is win-win. Good God. I, I, I would think all of my Christmases had come at once if I ended up with someone that looked like Tatiana Maslany. She is a really, really attractive woman. And I'm not trying to be weird about this i'm just saying like even in those scenes where she's supposed to look like she's just woken up and just like thrown a shirt on and gone to make breakfast like there is nothing wrong with that woman why you know but what they're doing is that they're using the she-hulk alter ego as an avatar for women that have done themselves up to conform with uh society's idea of what is beautiful right of what is stunning and attractive, which is the you know the lipstick, the makeup, the 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 eyeshadow, the the push up bra, the skimpy tops, the this, the that, the other, right? And then what they've done when he comes in in the morning and sees her as Jen is they're using Jen as the avatar for just regular looking women, which there is nothing fucking wrong with regular looking women a woman with no makeup is not a bad thing they're very attractive people it's just it's fucking men are fucking pigs right i think we can agree on that we're both we're, we 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 both come from that end of the gene pool right men are fucking pigs um and some of us try not to be and and some <laughs> of us succeed and this show is doing a really good job. Again, Jessica Gao is the uh, is the the showrunner on this show, and she's not backward about coming forward where it comes to putting women's issues front and center of this show. And I absolutely applaud her for doing that. And she's done it in such a way that it completely makes sense in the context of the show. But when you look one layer deeper, you see what she's really getting at, and it has impact. 
if you're paying attention, you know what story she's telling. It's a story as old as time. It's the one night stand. The man wakes up the next morning, takes a look at uh, whoever it is without the makeup. Guess what, mate? You don't look too great when you've woken up first thing in the morning either. Have some fucking compassion. And, <laughs> and don't don't act like you're a fucking LA 10 all the time. Because you're not. So... Yeah, it's. I, I think it's it's a really interesting story beat that they've gone with this week, and it's one that definitely had me thinking about things. Um, How about the other person she went on a date with? Oh, what the uh, the dude that had her pay for the drinks? No. Um, hang on, was there another person she had a date with? Yeah, related to something we talked about at the beginning of this episode two hours ago. <laughs> I mean, my I've got a memory like a goldfish. <laughs> da- David Ortunga. Oh shit! Yes, yeah, she did, didn't she? How much can you yeah. bench? Harvard, Harvard-educated lawyer. How, <laughs> how much wrestler. can you bench? A David Ortunga. Yeah, he apparently he can deadlift six hundred pounds. That's not bad. Yeah, but I like I like the way he, he brags to Shihong about that. She's like, he was I can lift literally a ton. Yeah. He, he, he he had literally 30 seconds and he made them count. I'm very happy for him. Very happy for him indeed. Yeah, I wonder where you were going there with that whole, we talked about it two yeah. hours ago and I'm like, really? I don't think we did. I think we were talking about wrestling. It's just, it's just a, yeah, we were. It's just, yeah, I know, just, I know. It should have, it should have tricked, it should have tripped my head in my head, but it didn't. It was such a weird cameo. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, we knew about this, because I'm pretty sure that we'd heard about David Otunga having a role in She-Hulk ages ago. Mm-hmm. We might even have seen like a still image or maybe even uh, a clip in one of the trailers. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we've got most of that trailer out of the way now. Like the only thing from the trailer that I remember clearly that I've not seen is Daredevil making his entrance. So once we get that out of the way, It'll all be brand new ex- uh, experiences for us. So, yeah, it's good so far. I, I, I also like, I also like that Daredevil and Matt Murdock are in the show. Yes, two completely separate people. Definitely not the same person. Uh. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, like, I mean, like, I'm glad that we get to see Matt Murdock hang out with Jen Walters as well as. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I do because well. it, it seems like they might get a little flirty in one of the episodes. So I think oh, that's I love uh, that pretty for exciting. Them. I love that for them. That would be amazing. Because Matt isn't one of those people that's going to judge anyone by how they look because he can't fucking see. True. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he technically can, but not in the same way as everyone else. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this Daredevil Reborn from what I'm hearing. I think that's the title of it, but whatever it's called, it's... Born, born, ag- born Again? Which would make sense because of the whole Christian, Christian connotations. Like, yeah, Catholicism and whatnot. And he'll be he'll be an Echo, too. I, I saw a pretty Whoa. funny tweet that was like, when they announced that at, at Comic-Con, somebody tweeted like, how are these two going to fucking communicate with each other? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Like, how's this team up going to work? Well, that's just... I mean, it's a good observation, but Jesus, that's harsh. <laughs> well, if, yeah, you ever, have you, if you've ever seen See No Evil, Hear No Evil, probably get a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> just scream. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think episode 
four of this show. I even the demons looked really good. I, I thought everything mm. looked much better this time around. I, I think the She Hulk model looked a little bit better. Demons looked cool. I liked the story they were telling. I liked everything that they did here. Um, and I, I think the show's on the uh, on the right track, and I'm excited to see what uh, what comes next on uh, on She Hulk. I think I, this is I, like a very it's I'm. It's starting to become a little bit clearer what the show is and what they're going for. And uh, as we get closer to that, I think it's it's becoming more fun. Mm. It's it's definitely one of those shows that doesn't stand up to a half hour's discussion per episode, like Loki, for example. Yes. Like Loki, yes. there was an awful lot of dense stuff to get through. And I like which, by the way, we didn't talk about D twenty three with Loki Ooh. season two, but well, um, we 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 only had three hours to talk <laughs> yeah i just i just also very excited about loki no absolutely I, I love that first season they're adding um i can't remember his name right now but the guy who played short round and he was in everything everywhere all at once he's gonna be in the new season of loki oh, they cool. announced today um i can't wait that that show was really good i can't wait that's for awesome. more he's getting a little bit of a career renaissance that's nice i like that yeah, so there we go. We'll, we'll be back at some point to talk about She-Hulk a little bit more. We'll probably save up a few episodes and then come back and talk about a whole bunch of them at once since that seems to have worked so nicely this time around. I think um, that's a good plan. Yeah, I think so. Uh, unless an episode, like, really, we feel like we really need to talk about I, it. I think un- unless we either have an episode that is absolutely superb and amazing and full of stuff that we need to talk about and or something else happens in the wrestling world that we want to talk about because that seems to be the two main topics <laughs> that we talk about these days mm-hmm. um and it could absolutely happen because um wrestling is wild right now i don't know yep because we didn't even mention during all that stuff but like the elite got their title stripped cm punk got his title stripped everyone's suspended yeah yeah cm it's... punk's out for eight months with an injury anyway but he's been suspended title has been stripped from him it's not going to be uh the same situation that they had last time from what I'm aware, where they had a um, interim champion. They are going to crown a new proper champion in both the heavyweight division and the trios division, which... Well, they already have new, new trios champs. Oh, do they? Who who got picked them up? Uh, Dara, Death Triangle. Death Triangle, that's a good call. I like them. Yeah. They're a good trio, and they've been around for a while as a trio. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Bastards awesome. Um, yeah, and and I think what, like, I I think the along with the Roman Reigns decision, I think the other one is to me is you absolutely should not have uh, have Punk win. I think that was a mistake. I think it should mm-hmm. have been Moxley. I think Moxley was clearly the guy, and I think putting it on Punk was a mistake. And then clearly now High W twenty twenty is absolutely a mistake. But yeah. I think they shouldn't have done it even before. I, I think ultimately what's happened is, is Tony Khan is, and there's nothing wrong with this, but when you're the when you're the head and owner of an organization, you should be a little bit more level-headed. Tony Khan is quite clearly a big fan of CM Punk and was determined that he was going to give that belt to his, uh, his idol, uh, and that's what's happened. Um, and you can tell... From the way that he was banging the desk and saying, let's fucking go on that first press conference when Punk won the title. 
you could tell there was something in the way that Tony Khan was acting. He was as giddy as a school kid. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, you've got to be careful because this is your business and it doesn't take much for things to turn severely. And it turns out that uh, that's exactly what has happened. So hopefully they're back on the straight and narrow now. They've had a talent meeting and uh, they've suspended people. And uh, I'm sure that uh, there will be talks that will be had and have already been had that will outline what is acceptable and what isn't. And uh, people are going to play for power here and there, reaching out to other companies, using them as pawns. And uh, that's just wrestling. That's just the world in general. So uh, let's hope for a better week of wrestling news in the next week. And if not better news, then certainly interesting news. Uh Thanks for talking to me today, Tyler. I enjoyed that. It was three hours of top quality banter about all kinds of BS. My yeah, favorite. that was three three weeks of conversation <laughs> in one night, but it was worth it. Oh, it was fun stuff. So much fun to talk about. Take care, man. See ya.